episode 217, 217. Oh, boy. You've got no shot. Boy, do I long for the days of jersey yeah. numbers. I mean, this <laughs> You've is got just... no shot. The reason you have no shot yeah. is because I had no shot. Shreveport, Louisiana. Springfield, Illinois. Oh, Champaign, Illinois. Okay. Decatur, Illinois. Central gotcha. Illinois. Okay. Area code 217. Your, you learn something new every day. Your buddy Wheeler probably would have got that, right? Wasn't Wheeler? Didn't he live in Illinois? Well, or he lived was... in Chicago. He grew up in Chicago. Where did he go to college? I thought he went to... Didn't he go to Champaign? Yes, he went to Loyola. No, he went to Loyola of Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe he wouldn't yeah. have got it. But anybody who uh, knows the University of Illinois at Champaign knows yes. two. One seven episode <laughs> right. two hundred and seventeen. Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe, please. You'll have Monday shows delivered to your podcast app, whichever one you use. I think most people, like ninety percent of the people, use Apple Podcasts. I would agree. App. Yeah. Rate and review us on the Apple Podcast page. It really helps with booking guests. PR people and the like become a Mitch unfiltered patron $5 a month and have access to all the bonus shows Four shows per week, ranging from 20 minutes, hot shot to an hour. You get your Danny O'Neill, yeah. you get your Randy Mueller, you get your Seahawks note table, you get your slick Hawk, Matt Miklas, Mr. Playoffs, which will have a, a lot of things to say this week. Oh, sure. Yeah. We had ties. We had Seahawks wins. Yeah. We had quarterbacks lost for seasons of rival 49ers. Yeah. We had a lot to happen. A lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. Mm. And the tail of the tape as well. All of that comes to you this week, courtesy of the Mitch Unfiltered Patreon page. To become a patron, it's $5 a month. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. If any of you have trouble with the $5 a month, but you really want to be a patron, but you don't want the $5 a month, or you can't, it's a real problem for you during the holiday season. Mm -hmm. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and we'll get you set up. I, like it. I don't want anybody missing it because they can't do the $5. Yep. Okay? Love it. Dear Mitch. Oh, boy. I never like these. Well, this one's a little different, and I... Oh, he's going to be nice. I hesitated reading it, but uh -oh. I'm reading it for a reason. I, I'll tell you at the end. Dear Mitch, I was at a family friend's house for Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> and I overheard two guys talking about a podcast called Mitch Unfiltered. When I jumped in and was told, you are the Mitch, I almost died. Had absolutely oh, no, no idea. God, here we go. <laughs> and have spent a lot of time oh. wondering how a guy like you could just disappear off the face of the earth yeah. after such a long run at KJR, in parentheses, yes, I'm aware of the story. When I asked more about the show and how exactly one downloads a podcast, oh boy, one of the guys suggested I listen to the very first episode. Wow. I even listened a second time with my wife of 39 years. Oh, wow. That's sweet. I'm so happy for you because it seems like you're doing okay all these years later. And for me, because I've reconnected with someone that was such a huge positive part of my life. Very nice. I only regret not finding a way to communicate my appreciation to you so many years ago. Roger in Kirkland. P.S. If there's anyone who can walk me through the steps of subscribing and hearing the additional shows. <laughs> we can't laugh at Roger because he at least wants them, right? We got to help this guy. <laughs> give me his or her phone number. Stay well and thank you. I think it's one button that says subscribe or no. 
Yeah, but then you got to go through the subscription process and give a credit card. No, he's talking about Patreon or is he talking about just the regular? I think he's talking about the regular shows. He said, if there's anyone who can walk me through the steps of subscribing and hearing the additional shows, give me his phone number, his or her phone Um, number. Stay well and thank you. I don't know if he means past because he said he he got the first two, right? Or he only got. I just assume. No, he got the first the zero. He got one. He got one. So I'm wondering if he means one. two, three. Four, oh, I thought two. it was Patreon. That I, I don't know either. Don't know. <laughs> does, it really, does it really matter? <laughs> yes, it does. Does that, it really matter? Tell a friend, everyone. Tell somebody. There's all these people who are a fan of yours who don't even know you're doing this. What's it going to take for us to get the word out? We can't do it. <laughs> is, the end, is, the, is, the end, is the end answer. It is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how are we going to do it? No budget for TV ads. Buy some time on KJR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you the morning hair on KJR. Do you like podcasts and real sports uh, talk? Tune in to Mitch Unfiltered. They're not going to take your money, you don't think? Oh, God. Yeah, I know. It's, it's frustrating. People who are big fans who like you want to listen. No clue you're even out there. So I went back and forth on whether I wanted to read that email because Why? the truth, it's a little self-serving. And I prefer to read the nasty ones. Frankly, the nasty ones are more compelling and more entertaining. Oh, oh, so, think? so the next 99 that you're going to read? I'm not going to read any oh, more today. Okay, you're going to save those? <laughs> but as I read it and I... I mean, I, I returned it. I said, thank you. I wrote a nice note back to oh, Roger. Okay. I had at first decided I'm not reading that. And then I thought it does remind me that episode one is now four years old. We just mm. celebrated a fourth, a fourth birthday. It was November of 2018. The show is called I'm Sorry. It was obviously a gut-wrenching and, a, and kind of a humiliating show for me to do. Mm-hmm. You yourself have said to me a couple times that you started to listen to it, but you couldn't, or yeah. you did listen to it, or you didn't listen to it. What a, I don't remember what you said. It was just tough to listen to for me. You did listen to the whole thing? Yeah, I did. Okay. But it, 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 yeah, I think I had to pause it. I don't know. I, I have I've, I spent my whole life avoiding feelings. Yeah. And so whenever I hear other people with feelings, yeah. it's yeah. tough for me to listen to. But as it turned out, I think I've told you this before, it seemed to help a lot of people. Yeah. I got tons i mean that's great probably over a thousand emails mm. and, and notes wow. saying hey thank you for doing that it helped me i was in a similar spot or right. i felt the same way about myself as you did a feel about you so i thought i'll read this letter and i'll remind people that are somewhat new to mitch unfiltered yeah either you know even if you're three years into it but you've never listened to episode one Perhaps it's something that you'd like to do, especially if you've ever found yourself in kind of a, a darkish, a darkish spot. I want to say a special thanks to my friend Jason Hamilton for not only pushing me to do it. He kind of prodded me to mm-hmm. do it, but he sat across from me probably painfully. Yeah. And as I tried to get through a lot of tears and let people in on the story, the very easiest way to to listen to it, to find episode one is, is just simply Google Mitch Unfiltered episode one. I mean, you can go to the you can go to the Apple page. You can go to my Mitch Unfiltered page and scroll all, all the way down. All day long. All day You'd long. You'd have to yeah. scroll for through four years worth of shows. <laughs> right. Or you can just go to a, a search engine, uh-huh. Mitch Unfiltered episode one. It pops right right up. Yep. So I thought I'd read that and remind people who haven't heard it before that maybe it's something that you'd like to listen to. Beat the boys. Yeah. As we get ready for episode 217. Not, not sure I got my picks in this week. I'm too scared to check. Oh. But had I got them in, yeah, it would have been 0-3. So what's the difference? <laughs> Let's just let Dion carry the mail. Whoa, 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 what am I even doing here? Going into this week, Uh-oh. producer Steve Dion yeah. 
was in eighth position. Woof. Beefy. Which means only seven prizes. He is saving my ass. Yeah. Seven prizes as of this week is all I would have to hand out, thanks to producer Steve. And he will tell you about it. Don't, oh, don't, don't get me wrong. You ask him. You just ask him. <laughs> you don't have to. He'll tell you. Uh, upcoming uh, weekend number 14, the, Vi- uh, the Vikings at the Lions, the Eagles at the Giants, the Dolphins at the Chargers, Password, yeah. Colton, K-O-L-T-E-N, Colton. Okay. Ever heard that name before? No. Well, I have heard the name, just not with a K. Hmm. My friend's son is named Colton. Yeah. Never heard of a baseball player named Colton before? Yeah, maybe. Sounds familiar. Well, the Mariners just acquired him via trade. <laughs> What's his last name? Wong. Oh, yeah, that guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they trade Winker and someone else for him? Yes, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Colton, though. K-O-L-T-E-N, the new yeah. second baseman of your Seattle Are we Mariners. excited about that? We'll get there. Okay. Good. I can't wait. I, I we'll need to know there. if I'm excited or not. I need someone to tell me how to feel. <laughs> Go ahead. Apparently so. Yes. Uh, episode 217. So we have an international flair mm. to 217. I promised you this last week. Oh, right, right. We're right. going to Qatar. Nice. On episode 217. And if I, if I accomplished nothing else in my 22 years at KJR, here's what I know I did. Okay. I handed out nicknames. Yes, you did. I handed out nicknames that stuck. Yep. Do you know of anybody that has a nickname <laughs> that I gave to them yeah, that stuck? Yeah, that'd be Fish and Hotshot and Fish stretchy. and Hotshot and Stretchy. Yep. Wink. And I, I was at Wink. Yep, I was bunch. thinking about what would be the greatest, what's the best nickname I've ever given anybody? What would make it the best? That's the question. Yes. I think the best nickname would be a nickname that was so good that it not only stuck for many years, uh-huh. which most of them did, but I think the best one would be defined as one that's almost used more than the person's actual name many years later. Is there a clear winner? Because I feel like there is. Well, yours would not be the winner because I think most people call right. you Scott. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go by mine, no. No, Hotshot... A few people here, a few people yeah. there will call you Hotshot. But for the most people, every day, That's they right. call you Scott. I try to hide from that. Right? That past, yes. Fish is close. I don't know in his world how many people call him Fish and how many people call him Jeffrey or Jeff. I don't think people... I, 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 Does anybody call him Jeff? I don't think so. I they think call, he might be the winner. No? I mean, he has like little little uh, like casino chips with fish on them. Like, yes. It, it, I think that's a bet. That's the winner. Trivia with fish. I okay. think he does. I, I don't know. You, you have a. I was one? well. Our guest from Qatar. Yeah. Do you know anybody that calls Matthew Johnson <laughs> Matt Johnson? Hey Matt. Hey Matthew. Yeah, maybe. Or does everybody call him Stretch? You might be right. Yeah, he's Stretch. I think most people call him Stretch. Now I may be misguided, and he might tell you, tell me. Yeah, in your world, Mitch, everybody calls me Stretch. Yeah. Everybody else calls me Matthew or Matt. Right. I don't think I've ever heard anybody call him Matt, Matthew and Matt in the last 20-something years that I know him. Yeah. But I think Stretch That's and Fish one, yeah. are kind of head. And, and, and the reason I bring that up is because Stretch is going to be on the show nice. from Qatar. I saw him in the crowd. It was so bizarre. Yes. Watching the game, I on see him TV. looking all nervous. And yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Former voice of the Seattle Sounders. Of Matt all the Stretch people Johnson. that I could that they show in the crowd, I happen to see somebody I know. That stadium's huge. And there he is. So trivia, stump the band trivia. Let's go. 
Do you know why I gave him the nickname Stretch? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've... Yes. Do I, most people know why I gave him the nickname Stretch? Or that no? I don't know. Do the people who call him Stretch on a day-to-day basis know why he's called Stretch? Probably not, no. Did you always know or, or did... Yeah, because I was with you when you gave it to him. Oh, you were? I think I was running your board. I mean, it was a long time ago. So, yeah, I was around when you gave it to him. And I wasn't exactly sure what the person looked like. Have you ever gone and looked? Oh, yeah. It's pretty close. (laughs) It's pretty good, yeah. Well, have you gone and looked at what the guy looked like when I gave him? So, what the guy looked like when he was young and what Stretch looked like when I met him? Yeah. You got to go back and remember, this is 25 years ago when I met Stretch. Yeah, yeah. He looked different then than he looks now. And the guy... That that kind of is the nickname inspiration. Yeah, is the character on All in the Family called Stretch Cunningham? Was that James Cromwell? It was James yeah. Cromwell. Very good, good pull. He's a well, he's a great actor. He, he just passed Very away. Good. Did he? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I didn't L.A. Know that. Confidential. He was great. He was in Babe. Remember the yes, talking the big ba- movie? He's, yes. He's a solid actor. Are I'm you sure big... he passed away? No, but I'm gonna go ahead and take a look here. But I feel like he just did. Oh, last couple years maybe. I didn't know that James Cromwell had passed away, but maybe he did. Yeah, I don't. I'm going to maybe he that. did. Yes, when I was a young a young guy, and <laughs> Sorry, I was watching. He's still alive. <laughs> he's 82. I thought I just read he died. No, I don't think so. Oh, he was also in um, that that HBO show Succession. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't watch Succession. Oh, he's yeah. really good in that. Him, he's yeah. he's the brother of the super rich right wing you know, conglomerate of the, and he's complete opposite. And he's a great character. Yeah. He's a really, really good actor. I'm telling you, go back and look at him when he was a young actor in Archie in, in all in the family with okay. Archie Bunker. All right. Because he looked just like stretch looked <laughs> Matthew, Matthew stretch Johnson. And that's why we called him stretch. And it got me to thinking about all in the family and Stretch Cunningham, yeah. who was Archie's favorite guy in the whole wide world. Oh, wow, I'm looking at it now. It's pretty you, uncanny. That's pretty uncanny. Oh, you're looking at him like still shots of him. Yeah, like when he was like that. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty on the money. Wowzy, yeah. That's. Uh, I can see why you, why he reminded you of Stretch Cunningham. Stretch Cunningham's character <laughs> oh, in All in the Family. I don't know whether anybody listening even cares about this. But I've talked about this on the radio show and I think on the podcast before. I've always felt like that Carol O'Connor's portrayal of Archie Bunker Mm -hmm. was the greatest of my lifetime, was the greatest performance by an actor in a TV series Mm. of my life. I don't think there's I don't think there's been ever anything close to the the Archie Bunker Carol O'Connor role. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people who feel that. I way. don't know if yeah. a lot of people remember it or yeah. watched it. I watched it every single week or whenever. I watched the reruns. To me, there was nothing like it. And Stretch Cunningham, yeah. James Cromwell, yeah. was his was his buddy. And and a couple of nights ago, <laughs> I kind of was reminiscing about maybe the best scene that I, I a scene that I will always remember was when Stretch Cunningham, who was Archie Bunker's best friend, yeah. passed away. And Archie went to the funeral at the funeral home and was asked to do the um, eulogy, the eulogy. And when he got there with Edith to do the eulogy, he found out something that he never knew about Stretch Cunningham, which was he was Jewish. Right. Which was a shock to the system. If you know the show, (laughs) you can understand. Right. What Archie Bunker's reaction was (laughs) right to finding out that his best friend in the whole wide world was actually a Jewish guy. Yeah. And so I sent you the scene. Yes. Of the eulogy of the 
of the reaction by Archie and then the subsequent eulogy that will make you laugh and make you cry all at the same time. Just one of the great scenes you'll ever yep. see. It's impressive that he can make you do both in oh, like that seven minutes of him. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it just do a, do a Google search. Uh, Archie Bunker or Archie Bunker eulogy for stretchy. You'll, you'll see the yeah. You'll see the scene. It'll it's take you two seconds seven, on YouTube. To seven find minutes it. long, worth every minute. Oh my god, so good. I mean, it just shows. It oh shows my god, the, the range of his acting ability. It's like a master class in acting, right? He's killing you, making you laugh by being prejudiced, which yeah. you should be turned off to him. Yeah, but you're not because you know he's just kind of naive and stupid. Ha- th- yeah, he's he's a little. He's just uh, he's ignorant. Yeah, and there's but there's a good guy inside who doesn't mean any harm, right? But and, but then he comes out with the sweet stuff, and yeah, it's it's a it really it's a, is a masterclass in acting. It, it is seven minutes. I promise you. Maybe I'll tweet it out or I'll send it out on Facebook or something. It is seven minutes that you will sit and you will laugh and you will yeah. cry all. The same time anyway matthew stretch johnson yes. our stretch is in qatar with his brother he goes to the world cup every year he was at the u.s match incredible uh against the uh the netherlands that ousted them from the world cup he yeah. was at he was at the uh, the match against iran yep that let them into the whatever the knockout round knockout or whatever, round, you, call yeah, it, sure, whatever yeah. you call it matthew stretch johnson with a fun a fun uh, conversation Great. from qatar can't wait to hear. I'm it. not going to say much more than that, but we laughed. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, yeah, we had a we had a good. So, laugh. what is it? I mean, I guess we'll find out. But once the U.S. is ousted, does he still go to games? Yeah. Oh, he does. Well, he makes a trip. He schedules a trip, mm-hmm. and he stays there until the end of the trip. Typically, the U.S. is ousted. Right. And uh, he's just a huge soccer fan, and he and his brother will go to games until I think it's Wednesday, and then they'll come home on Wednesday. Okay. But he said Qatar is perfect because it's like the state of Connecticut. That's how big it is. It's yeah. very small. You just bust back and forth to different stadiums. You get on a metro, whatever. Yeah. Very easy. Stay at the same hotel as opposed to in four years from now oh, when it's it. at the U.S. Yeah, it's like 10 cities, right? You're going to have to yeah. go. Yeah, you can't, you can't really do that very easily. Yeah. But Matt Stretch Johnson... On episode 217, um, the Seahawks no table to react to 27-23 over the Rams. Joe and Brady, Rick Neuheisel. Ooh. Uh, what? Yeah. I know exactly what that sigh is for. Can't trust USC as far as you can throw them. <laughs> I mean, the one-time Husky fans are just uh, could not be rooting harder for USC. By the way, a team that what they hadn't would have one loss, or they hadn't lost yet, had they? They had one loss. They, what, but they have this incredible year. All they got to do is beat a decent Utah. No can do. Just can't get it done. Just can't get it done. Husky fans finally rooting for him. This is, this is what you get when you root for USC. I turned to my son Ugh. on Friday night. We were at dinner together. And I said, hey, you're on your phone. Get me a score. Can you get me a score on Utah USC? Mm-hmm. He says, USC 17, Utah 3. Oh, looking good. Yeah. I was like, here we go. All right, Rose Bowl. And, and, and I had decided that I was taking my lazy ass to Pasadena. Wow. I was doing Mitch Unfiltered from Pasadena. I was going to the Rose Bowl and taking a son or two sons or a wife or everybody. I was going. I had decided I was going. Podcast partner. And then he, and then he, (laughs) podcast partner. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then he tells me 17 to three. And I'm like, okay, USC's taking care of business. You're looking at flights at dinner, looking at the hotels up. I think they may have been outscored 44 to seven (laughs) after that. Oh, I laughed to not cry. Unbelievable. Just yeah. when you needed USC just to take care of just some business. Once. At one time. And by the way, they had it's not like they had nothing to play for. They're like playing for the playoffs. Yeah. Like, really? You're not inspired enough to yeah. beat this crappy team? Oh, so annoying. 
So annoying. And I'm sure the college football playoff teams annoy you as well, right? I mean, it's just kind of like, does it? Does that get you go? I mean, I'm sure you talked to Rick about it, but I mean, they announced who's going to be in it. It's like, I don't know. Is there any doubt that Georgia's just going to mop the floor? Well, the I think there's a little play? bit of doubt now. Okay. A couple weeks ago, I would have said there's no doubt, but I think there's a little bit of doubt. Michigan's very good, obviously. Are they? Yeah, I think so. Are they SEC good? Or I don't they- know. Big Ten good. I don't know. They're good. Yeah, I don't know either. See, and I get excited every year. I it's like I love sitting down. I'm gonna watch two games. My family's gonna leave me alone, and then it's just beating, beating. Both games just usually suck. So anyway, I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's better this time. But you but get Sark. You get to do. go to the Alamo Bowl and face Sark. Yeah, Texas Washington is not a bad matchup. It's not a bad. Game. I mean, if you yeah. can't go to the Rose Bowl, there's nothing wrong with going to the Alamo Bowl and playing Texas. Yeah, Texas versus Washington. That's pretty good. Not bad. Matthew Stretch Johnson, Seahawks No Table with Joe and Brady. Rick Neuheisel on this episode 217. All righty, we've warmed up in the bullpen for episode 217. Some words about our amazing partners, the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage is no longer. It's now the downtown Woodenville office, led by, of course, rock star Jordan Flowers. A weird time when it comes to borrowing money, buying and selling homes. But Jay Flo is going to describe on this show an interesting program that keeps numbers down if you're looking at a new home. 425-890-2957 is his direct number. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement, planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, new locations popping up all over the place, including Boise, Idaho. In fact, you'll hear Dapper Dan Black on this episode 217 talk about expanding into Oregon. Incredible how the footprint of Zeke's has expanded in the last few years. And Daniel's broiler for the holidays. Let me remind all of you that might have a need for a private party during this time of year. The four locations of Daniel's should be your starting place. My son Max worked three of them this past weekend. Daniel'sbroiler.com. Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition. Down the stretch we come. Producer Steve is saving my ass. Week 14 password, Colton, K-O-L-T-E-N, as in the new second bagger for your Seattle Mariners. Have you given any thought to a new fireplace for this winter? FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Episode 217 begins officially right now. Unfiltered. I had no friends who played soccer. Nobody played hockey where I came from. Nobody even knew what hockey was. And so I think about those two sports that have come to Seattle now and have taken that there's a there's a fever pitch to both of those from the fans in the Northwest. And I'm able to kind of get into hockey quickly. But for some reason, soccer is just a wall that I can't penetrate. Unfiltered. I believe I will go to my grave thinking that allowing fans to storm a field and court before the teams, especially the opposing team, can get off the field into the locker room will go down as maybe the most stupid thing in sports in my lifetime. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 
episode 217, Hot Shot Scott, is now officially underway. You know, Springfield, I, Illinois. Hello. <laughs> I think I have some carries left in me if the Seahawks need anyone. Oh, my God. I, I, I mean, I'd have to probably get 30 pounds off to get my speed up a little bit. But I think I got, I got oh some life left God. in these legs if they need a running back. You and Leonard Weaver. I mean, is it? You have me. Yes, same number. <laughs> number forty-three. That's right. Um, is it just me or do the Seahawks go through this often, where they're just depleted? Like, is Marshawn Lynch going to get a call at some point well, again at forty-eight? Well, I think you have to ask yourself another question first. Okay. And that is, are we allowed as Seahawks fans to bitch and moan about injuries to the running back situation when they just played a team with no quarterback, no nose tackle? Yeah. No wide receivers, no defensive backs. <laughs> uh, and barely one. And bar- <laughs> After all that. <laughs> Struggle are to we, win. Are we allowed to complain <laughs> no, about the loss of all the no. running backs? I don't know. Maybe we are. Maybe we, we aren't. Doesn't matter. But you're, you're right. Yeah, running backs. Oh, man. It's weird. Since Marshawn left, they just can't find that, that the next one to just step in well, and be the guy. Yeah. You know? They just get pummeled. Yeah. Thomas Rawls, we talked about a few episodes Thomas ago. Thomas Rawls. They could use Thomas Rawls. He, right he now. looked like Mike the, Davis. Where are you? The second coming of Marshawn, and then he's just gone one year with injuries. And yeah. So the Seahawks bounce back barely. Yes. 27 23. Should we feel good about what we saw on Sunday? I mean, it's, uh, it's to funny. win. Piper goes, well, they're, they're three and eight. They're not really any good. And I was like, well, it's a, it's a win on the three, road. Three and eight without their quarterback. Yeah, I didn't even tell her all that. But, you know, <laughs> it's a win on the road in the NFL. I so. guess. Yeah, I mean, but would you have felt good about the Ra- if they would have beat the Raiders? I mean, no, because they struggle with a crappy Raiders team. You know, it's a win's a win. So, yeah, I'm, I don't feel great about it, but I'm glad they went down there and got the win. And while they were getting a win, yes. the 49ers were also winning, mm-hmm. blowing out my beloved Dolphins, but losing – their starting quarterback for the season. Yeah. So now they're down to their third string quarterback. Did you know, do you even know who quarterbacked the 49ers to the victory over the Dolphins? Which is a little depressing. Yeah. Guy by the name of Brock Purdy. Oh, he's good. Would you like to know about Brock Purdy? (laughs) Yes, I would. He holds a distinction. Okay. He is a rookie quarterback this year out of Iowa State. Okay. He was drafted Ask me when he was drafted <laughs> in the last NFL draft. When was he drafted? Who? Who are you uh, talking Brock about? Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. State. Yeah, in the last NFL draft. You ever heard of the name Mr. Irrelevant? Come on. Yes. He was the 2022 NFL draft. Really? He was the 262nd and final pick in the seventh round of the NFL draft. He was Mr. Irrelevant. That's who the team that you're trying to chase down to has yeah. for the remainder of the year. Gar- Garoppolo, broken foot, surgery, done. Yeah. Trey Lance, done. They're down to Brock Purdy. Now, maybe you would say there's somebody on the street. Maybe they're going to sign Cam Newton or they're going to sign some some veteran quarterback. Well, Kaepernick not- comes back to the 49ers. <laughs> Imagine that story. Kaepernick comes back. Unless they do something like that, the team that you're trying to beat in the rematch in a few weeks is going to be quarterbacked by Brock Purdy. You thought it would have hurt if the Rams would have beat you. Let Mr. Irrelevant beat you. Well, now, I watched the 49ers-Dolphins game, and I watched them blow out the Dolphins with Brock Purdy. I'm not suggesting that Brock Purdy is any good or any bad. I don't know. He's a rookie Mr. Irrelevant quarterback. They still have a very good defense. They still have some very good players. And they can still win games in other ways, unlike 
the Rams because the Rams have lost guys all over the all, all over the roster. Yeah. This team still has Boza, still has pass rusher, still has the 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 fierce linebacker in the middle there, and so they still have good football players. But the whole complexion of the NFC West and really the NFC changed. When Jimmy Garoppolo broke his foot yeah. against the Miami Dolphins. So now you're sitting here as a Seahawks fan saying, come on, just address the address the defense. Somebody stop a running back. Oh, God. Just play a little bit of defense, please. Just protect, just run the ball a little bit. Please get one of these running backs back. You just feel like, oh my God, it's now dangling. The Not, to, not a playoff spot. Right. The NFC West is now dangling in front of your nose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even sure. with my nose, I oh, can see oh, it. Oh, you it's can. Dangling. Okay. Yeah, I yeah can. that's good. Yeah. It's 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 just right there. Now they yeah. got Brock Purdy as their starting quarterback. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I can they catch him? Can they can they fortify their defense a little bit? I mean, to watch the Rams move the ball up and this is the worst offense in the National Football League yeah. as constituted with the players that they've got playing. Yep. Without, you know, without Cooper, Cooper Cup, Cup and yeah. without Matthew Stafford and without their offensive linemen that they were missing and without the other Allen Robinson. As constituted, as, as we saw it on Sunday, that's supposed to be the worst offense in the league that you can face. And they push the Seahawks around, yep. especially in the first half. So I don't know, but it's there. It is Hot there. Shot, it's right there. The NFC West is right. You're going to play on a Thursday night game on national TV. If I can get it on Amazon, I can't figure out a way to get it. But <laughs> you're going to play a huge football game and the opposing team's quarterback is going to be Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. You should be able to win that game. Yeah, you'd think. Oh, I mean, so it's right there for them. I know we're not done with this season. We got plenty of football to go. Five games to go. Is there a linebacker in the draft who's a badass? Stop with the draft. I think I'm good with Cody Barton. I think I've seen enough. I think I'm. I, oh, I no think good. I'm ready to to move no along. Good. No bueno. Right, Mike Jackson, number thirty, the corner. Yeah, people have tried to be optimistic about him because he's so young right. and they just got him and they're all young. I think I'm good. No bueno. Yeah. Watching old Bobby Wagner make play after play out there was oh torture, wasn't it? I know, I know you can't keep him and you can't pay him and all that, but boy, we need a, line, a middle linebacker. We just need some stud from Alabama or from some school. Well, Come I, I on. Don't, I don't know that it's a middle linebacker that you're going to get with the third overall, but you do know. Oh, yes. That with the Denver Broncos loss in the last in the waning seconds. 10-9? <laughs> <It's a 10-9. laughs> 10-9 to nine to the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> oh, who was God. playing. By the way, he, they were playing a, a quarterback named Huntley from Utah because Lamar Jackson was out. Yeah. Um, you do know that with the Broncos' last second loss, <laughs> yes. you're now up to number three. That's incredible. So the Seahawks on Sunday God. accomplished two things. By beating the Rams, they're back into the playoffs if the season ended today. You'll get a Mr. Playoffs, a full Mr. Playoffs later in the week with, with Slickhawk. But if the season ended today as a result of the Rams game, mm -hmm. Seahawks are in the playoffs, so they accomplished that. And while they were getting back in the playoffs, they also have the number three overall pick because of the Broncos' loss to the Baltimore Ravens, which brings up, I mean, we could talk about, we'll, we'll have months to talk about That's this, right. but yeah, yeah. Who the, you're talking about middle linebacker. It's not going to be a middle linebacker, right? but it may be the best defensive player in college football, oh, which God. would either be the linebacker, Will Anderson, 
from Alabama, or there's this nose tackle that plays for Georgia who wears number 88 that nobody can block. And okay. I'm like, I'm watching him in the in the SEC championship game. I even wrote a note on Twitter to Russell Wilson. You did? Yeah, in the middle of the SEC championship game. Go to Twitter. <laughs> I wrote a note to Russell Wilson. Yeah, did he write back? He hasn't written back yet. Okay. He's in one of his 12 bathrooms. That's right. You know, the number of bathrooms, which is greater than the number of touchdowns that he's going to throw <laughs> this year. That's right, by far. <laughs> yeah. I wrote a note to Russell Wilson on Twitter asking for his continuing help Jeez. for us to be able to get this guy from Georgia in the middle of their in the middle of their line. Kicking a guy when he's down. Just can't resist, can you? I just needed to write a note yeah, asking right. for continued help. I, I wonder if, you know, I, I'm not rooting for this at all, but like, let's say Russell gets dinged up a little bit and they're they're so out of it. Yeah. They might just shut him down at some point, right? I mean, I mean, when, when does this team throw in the towel, the Broncos, and just say, forget it. Let's play some guys. Well, it's easy to throw in the towel if you have your own first round draft choice the next in the next draft. You don't oh, even have yeah. that. That's true, yeah. Um, I don't know the answer. Yeah. They're going to fire the coach after the first year. Oh, it's bad. The quarterback's going to make $50 million a year starting next year. I mean, it's just, guys but it's, are, it's not our problem. Guys are yelling in his face. I don't know if we talked about that last and week. And I know, Hotshot, just by looking at you, yeah. I can tell that you're wondering, what are the paces now for Russell Wilson and Geno Smith? Mm. For the 20, what are they going to end up? What are the numbers going to, oh, yeah. how that number is going to end up? And I happen to have that for you because I know that you've been wondering about that. My wife told me all about them this morning, but you can do okay. it again. All yeah, right. yeah. Well, she called me and told me oh, good. Okay. that Gino is on a pace for 72% this year. <laughs> Russell Wilson, 60%. <laughs> she told me, your yeah. wife, that Gino is on a pace for 4,500 yards passing this Gosh. year. And Russell Wilson's on a pace for 3,600 she told me, your mm -hmm. wife, yep. that Geno's on a pace for 31 touchdowns this year, touchdown passes, and Russell Wilson's on a pace for 11. He's got wow. 12 bathrooms. You're not joking when you said less <laughs> touchdowns than bathrooms. And your wife told me uh -huh. after she got her car fixed. Oh, it's back. Yeah. That uh, Geno's on a pace for eight and a half interceptions this year. And Russell Wilson's on a pace for seven interceptions this year. Oh, yeah. He's Mr. Efficiency over there, Russell. I know you wanted that. No, I, I did. I love it. I mean, I, cause I've, been, I've been tough on Geno at times. I, don't know, I think I have a kind of a quick hook with him. But, man, he really – I mean, what did he have on, on the day we record this? 360 or something? 370? I'm glad that you asked that. Yes. Because when you think about that game, take a step back. I was frustrated the whole game. Oh, yeah. Plenty of reason I, I, to be. And, yeah. and, you know, after the game, people got on me. You're being an old man. You're being a get-off-my-lawn guy. I wrote something like excruciating, period, but we'll take it, I guess. I think that was my tweet. That's pretty negative. It was, it was, it was fairly negative because I felt like, look, if you're going to be a playoff team and you go face a team that's decimated, the way, a team that's playing those guys, it was an XFL team. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And you've got to struggle. You, I mean, you should go in there – and blow those guys out. You should. You yes. really should blow those guys out, or at least win comfortably. To need a last-minute drive to win that game, I know I should just say, hey, it's a win on the road. It's a divisional opponent. Yep. It's your seventh win of the season. You're seven and five. You're back in the playoff picture. Forget it, Mitch. It doesn't matter. But I just the last three weeks, the Tampa game, the Raiders game, and now the Rams game has have left such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm having trouble getting there. So yeah. maybe you can help me help me get there. But I just I, uh, it was hard. But you asked about Gino. Yes. I mean, think about this. Did they have any running game after? I mean, the 
Ken Walker ran for 30 yards on the first play from scrimmage. Yeah. One carry, 30 yards, and then six yards, and he was gone with a bad foot or whatever it was, ankle. Did they have any running game? No. Did they have any? Did they really have any defense? No. Did they have any? How was their pass protection? How was the protection for Gino? <sighs> Brutal. Okay. You just said they had no running game. Mm-hmm. He had no defense. Yep. And he had no pass, pass protection. protection. Yeah. He goes 28 for 39, 367 yards, three touchdowns, a bullshit interception that was not an interception. I don't I don't care what anybody, I don't care what the announcers say. That was such bullshit. Yeah. There's no way that Bobby Wagner should have been awarded an interception there. I don't care what any, nobody can convince me. Yep. The the running back who stinks, the running back had the ball, his knee was down. <laughs> what running back? Jones, whatever the junior, whatever the whatever the guy's name, the, the six string, Scott Soden, yeah, whoever like it was. It, yes. uh-huh. Okay, there's no way that was an interception. No way. That was a gift. Yes. So Gino, three sixty seven, three touchdowns, really no interceptions, plus the game winning drive mm-hmm. when they needed it most. He took him down the field, and then he throws a strike. To DK Metcalf in a in kind of a tight window yeah, and he's very tight, well yeah. covered. Incredible. Come on, yeah, I know, I know. Pay that man his money, man. I wish he wasn't thirty-two though. That's the problem. Who cares? Quarterbacks play until they're yeah. sixty. I guess, hey, they do. John Hadle is still playing <laughs> with, with that hairline. <laughs> John Brody, I think, plays both on the senior oh, tour God. and he plays quarterback for the Niners. Was Hadle the one that had, that was like just had the male pattern baldness pretty badly, but it just. But he had like the that cul-de-sac. It just looked yeah, like cul-de-sac. He looked he looked fifty. When he, he wore was, twenty-one or twenty. Yeah, he had he an odd number, number too. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. Yes. Come on, these guys played a little. Yeah. All right, fine. Sign Gino, him up. Gino was a stud. He sure was. Yeah. Having to dodge people left and right with yep. no running game, he was a stud. No running game and having to run for his life at times. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on Gino. Like you, you, the numbers don't lie. Like what more are you looking for out of a quarterback here? They've got. They've gotten to the point in the season through 12 games where I hate to say it at this very moment, maybe it'll change back to where it was in games four through eight where they were really good on defense and they were doing some great things. But we're now at a point where three games in a row, the Bucks, the Raiders, and now the Rams, Gino has had nothing. Yeah. He's had no help. He's had no help from his ground game. He's had no help from his offensive line. He's had no help. Three games in a row. Mm-hmm. And game after game after game, he puts up big numbers and numbers good enough to win. And now he's added to his resume what everybody said he didn't have. He didn't have the game-winning drive. What did they say? He hadn't... He hadn't since 2014, He I hadn't orchestrated a game-winning drive since 2004. Okay, now they can't say that anymore. Yeah. He took him right down the field and threw a bullet... Strike. ...to yeah. DK Metcalf for the win. So... God bless Gino. That's right. God bless Gino. Where would they be without him? Three years, $100 million. Give him. Give Look, it to him. I guess Pete and John were right. We, we give them a lot of shit for good reason all they the time. They didn't know crap. They didn't know this. They stuck with their guy, though. They really did stick with him. I mean, they could have gone with out who? and got Gino. They could have gone out and got Baker Mayfield or somebody okay. else, right? Don't give him so much credit. Well, they look, getting rid of the guy that won the Super Bowl for you probably wasn't an easy decision. Russell, getting rid of Russell was not an easy decision. You can't convince me for a second okay. that they had any idea that Gino was any good. You think they were going into a lame duck season yes. looking for a pick, really? Yes, they, yes. No. 
They didn't think Geno was any good. They watched him like the rest of us in the four games last year when when Russell Wilson got. No. They didn't think he'd be this good, I bet, if you gave him truth serum. I am not giving John Schneider. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and let you say, they knew. I'm not saying they they knew they'd have this. They knew Geno was a Hall of Uh, Famer. They knew he was John Hadle-like. I mean, they they just knew. (laughs) They got rid of the, the most beloved quarterback in the franchise's history. But they didn't get rid of the most beloved quarterback in the franchise's history because they thought Geno was good. But they didn't. That make was a an move. independent situation. Yeah, they brought Drew Locke in, and they didn't give him the. Well, they traded for him. And like they went out and looked for him. No, he was thrown in. No, no way, no way. Because Pete Carroll right. or John Schneider have any idea that Geno Smith was any good. Well, then they're just lucky because I would have made a move. Completely lucky. I would not have gone to the season with Geno as the, if I'm the GM as the starting quarter. I just wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing it. And they did. They had no idea. <laughs> they right. rolled the dice. I don't know. You got to give them a little rolled, more credit than that, I think. They had no idea. If Pete would have gone one in 16, would he have gotten, you know, he would have been on the hot seat here with Geno being, if, let's say Geno was awful. He went one in 16. It's a bit of a gamble by them. I think that paid off. No, you're not going to give any credit. Would you have gone to the season as hit with him as your starter? I, I I think that they were. This was a rebuilding year. Hmm. I think this is a complete shocker. Geno Smith is a complete <laughs> shocker. Not to Geno. To I think to Geno. I think that I think he has shocked everybody on the face. Of, I don't think there's one person His on the face of the earth. No, nope, I don't think anybody knew that he was like this. Wow. All right. I really believe that. Okay. I think it's just one of the one of the revelations of sports. It's why why we love sports. That people come out of the woodworks and have this. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yep, he has. Phenomenal. Yep. How do you like Tariq Woolen? Can I ask you what you think? I about- love him. Well, we love him. I mean, but we've talked about him before. But we every week, him. it's like yeah. He got Unreal. beat a couple times on Sunday. He got okay. beat a couple times on Sunday. Uh, typically, that nobody even throws at him anymore. Yeah. He's turning into Richard Sherman right before our very own eyes. He had, he had the pick, but then he had that one where he was kind of beat, but then caught up and yeah. tipped it. Like, yeah. He's long and really fast. Good. Really and good. Boy, I'm happy to have him. Oh, yeah, Under I, club control, dirt cheap for the next five years. You need somebody it. on the other side. That's true. I, I'm sensing that Trey Brown should be the guy, 22 over on the other side, but they, they seem to want to let Mike Jackson have the job. And in the first quarter and a half of that football game on Sunday, Mike Jackson looked like he belonged on the Newport High School football team. He played about as well as the singer Michael Jackson would play at cornerback. Correct. Yeah. He was not good. No. Now, maybe he settled in for the rest of the day. I know Trey Brown came in. He got beat a couple times. Young, got a Pass interference. Yeah. Well, they're both young. He's older than, than Mike Jackson. But the pass interference call, he was just a little bit early, mm-hmm. but he made a pretty good break on that ball. My inclination is that 22 is the better option on the opposite corner of Tariq Woolen. It's just, it's just a gut. But why are they not starting him then? Well, he just got back from a, a, a catastrophic injury. Okay. They're working him back in. They like Mike Jackson for whatever reason. He's been kind of the guy the first eight, 10 weeks. Yeah. And so I think that they are, I, I think we're going to see more and more of 22. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for that. Is it just me? Or do the Rams look like they always hit a tad late when they tackle? Is it just me being an overly sensitive Seahawks fan? Do you notice that or no? There's a few times where I'm waiting for the flag to come in because they're they hit. It's a little. It's just a little late, or they'll, they'll throw someone to the ground. No, you know. Do you not feel that way? No. Oh my! It felt I, I, like I haven't noticed that. Maybe because I'm just a sensitive Seahawks. Fan. Yeah. Every third tackle is like, dude. 
stop hitting late. I, I, for some reason, the Rams just bugged Ramsey out there talking crap. I was so happy DK caught that. He's had some rough games against the Rams, and you know he hasn't he hasn't torched them by any means. So when he got that game winner. I was so happy it was him. He had a hell of a game. And by the way, can we talk about DK growing up? I thought for sure he would have. Two years uh, ago, that guy celebrates. 15 yards? Uh, well, I'm, no, I, on the game winner. Oh. The oh. fact that he didn't. Oh. Well, he had picked up a 15-yarder earlier in the game. He did, By getting yes. in uh, Ramsey's face. But when he? it counted and that touchdown, I was waiting for him yeah. to put the ball in Ramsey's face or do something. But I think our guy's finally growing up a Maybe. little bit. Maybe. He was a stud, though, man. Wow, it's nice to have him. Maybe. Yeah. Mariners make a splash this weekend, but not the splash that anybody wanted. Colton Wong. Is that a splash? (sighs) You tell me. Well, they traded Jesse Winker. Which they said they weren't going to do. I had a great time in the Jesse Winker era. (laughs) You enjoyed it, didn't you? (laughs) Although he did get, did he do the the double bird? Yeah, the whole Angels thing. Yeah, that was awesome. Kind of sad that that was the highlight. Yeah. And you just kind of know. That he was an all-star with the Cincinnati Reds before they got him. Yeah. Now he's traded back to the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. in the National League. And he'll hit 310 yeah. and make the all-star game for the National League no next question. year. You just kind of know that. Of course, yeah. Yeah. There was some really ugly sound and shit coming out about him in the clubhouse. That people didn't like him. His teammates oh. didn't like him. Oh, either. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, there's been some stuff written and said about him. In huh. the lead up to the trade and now after the trade. There's been some whispers about how serious Jesse Winker took uh, the stretch run and getting himself ready to play. He pulled a no show in the postseason. He didn't go. He right. didn't go to Toronto with him. Didn't go to Houston with him. Okay, he's kind of gone. Didn't and, work hard. Okay, yeah. I mean, they're all about good vibes on that team. So yeah, that that so. shit ain't gonna fly in that locker room, is it? And I hate seeing Abraham Toro go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you gonna sleep okay tonight? <laughs> but the other part of this is the obvious, which is. What Mariners fans really wanted. You know what we all really wanted. What's that? One of those four or five shortstops, mega free agent, $30 million. We wanted the Mariners to go out and spend some big bucks and bring one of those studs, one of those aircraft carrier shortstops. There's four of them Mm -hmm. that are free agents. And by doing this, it pretty much closes the book on that. They've said, you know, J.P. Crawford is our shortstop. J.P. Crawford is our shortstop. None of us believed him. Mm-hmm. We're not moving J.P. Crawford to second base. We're not moving J.P. Crawford. And now they go out and they get Colton Wong, a 32-year-old second baseman, hit um, 260, 270, left-handed hitter. That's pretty good. Yep. 14, 15 home runs in the last two years. Um, Pretty good. Defensively. Uh, was a gold glover earlier in his career in St. Louis, but there's been a drop-off in his defense uh, in the last couple of years, especially last year in Milwaukee. Okay. You figure they're better than they were before they made this trade because they only traded Winker and Abraham Toro. Yeah. But the one thing that I kind of keep coming back to is what was Adam Frazier when they acquired him to play second base a year ago right now? Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Hit for a better average than Colton Wong before mm. he came here. It didn't hit for any power. Didn't have any speed. Wong's got some speed. He can hit in the top uh, top half of the lineup. But Adam Frazier was kind of a 300, 290 hitter who uh, would get on base and whatever he comes here and he's just a he's yeah, stiff. He's yeah. not yeah. non-existent. Now he's gone a year and out. And now you just have to ask yourself, 
Are they getting another Adam Frazier or are they getting a Colton Wong who's going to add something to that lineup? Yeah. Especially at 32, you kind of wonder. 32 years old. A little old. You know, that's kind of when you start going downhill. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, at least we'll they're see. making moves. I'll take it. I, I love this this new Mariners going out there and acquiring guys, making moves. Let's try to get better. No, you're, you're shaking Yes, your yes. I like the effort. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I'd like to see them commit to more payroll. I would have liked to see them go out and get Carlos Correa. Now, maybe somebody's going to try to tell me, Mitch, none of those guys wanted to come here. They couldn't get Trey Turner. They couldn't get Carlos Correa. They couldn't get Bogarts. They couldn't get Swanson. They couldn't get any of these guys because they've got to want to play there. And frankly, I just don't believe that. Hmm. I believe that if you would have won the bidding war on any of these four guys, or at least one of these four guys would have come if you had offered them a better contract than everybody else. But they didn't. They didn't. It does feel like the the Mariners' stock is a good one to buy. I mean, it does feel like it's on the rise, doesn't it? It does. It does. I I could feel, I could see a player wanting to come, a free agent wanting to come be part of something big that looks like it's about to happen, hopefully. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think if they would have given the most money, somebody would have come. Yeah. But so we know that they're done. I mean, how do you know that they won't make up, make another move? It doesn't. I don't know it for sure. Yeah. But it just seems like the way Jerry publicly anointed J.P. Crawford as his shortstop, like three or four different times, like we want J.P. Crawford playing shortstop opening day next year. It's important that we keep the consistency and keep him there which most of us thought, why? Why? If you're a conspiracy theorist like myself, Mm -hmm. you feel like ownership said no to the $200 million contract, but now you go explain it a different way. Don't go Mm -hmm. out there and tell them that we don't want to spend $300 million or $200 million on Carlos Correa. Go go out there and tell them why we're not going to and, yeah. and they decided that the, the, the explanation is, is we want J.P. It's very important that J.P. Crawford play shortstop. So now they've said that three times and they've gone out and, and traded for a marginally all-star caliber-ish second baseman from the Milwaukee Brewers. So, yeah, well, yeah, I guess they could go out and get a corner outfielder or something. I don't know. What consistency? I, I mean, they, what does that mean? They want the consistency. They, wa- I don't, I, I don't they want to it. keep the uh, double play combo together. Oh, wait a minute. Another- <laughs> Is that, I mean, what are they talking about? I don't get it. We just want J.P. Crawford to play shortstop. Yeah. All right. They, they like Very them. stubborn that way. 180 average is what they're looking for. And God. Marginal defense. And, okay. Sounds good. Anyway. Yeah. What can I tell you? Go Mariners. What can I tell you? Did you watch the World Cup on Saturday? I did, yes. The uh, was a three-one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I did. did. You watch it? Watch it? Watch it? Or not really? No, I I had it on. I was watching it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was keeping an eye. And I mean, once it was two nothing, it just felt kind of over. Is it weird losing to the Netherlands at anything? I don't know why it's the Netherlands. <laughs> like we're the United States of freaking. I mean, we can't beat the Netherlands in a sport. I know they're good. I know it's still much to say, better but... than from what I understand. I will talk to Stretch about yeah. it. Who's there? But. They were a they were a pretty sizable underdog. The U.S. is a pretty yeah, sizable underdog. Yeah, it just game. feels bizarre. Yeah. The yeah. U.S. looked just outclassed and younger, and yeah, it just it looked like I don't it know looked like about different it. soccer. I mean, you could see it. Just the best that I could tell you is that one team had three and the other yeah. team had one, and in like soccer terms, that's a blowout. Oh, it's fifty six to fifty five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was like, yeah. Did, did you did, did you uh, sit and watch the whole thing, or did you have it? Yeah, on I had or? it on. I had it on. I paid pretty close attention to it. I don't really know what I was watching, and that's why I'm thrilled that Stretch and I had a little conversation after, okay. in which we laughed, and he told me a little bit about it. He, he taught me a little bit about what was going on in that game. But um, 
Yeah. It'll be interesting four years from now when the United States hosts. Yeah, I mean, it's a young you figure, team, right? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. figure they're on the come. Yep. I don't right. know what that means, but yeah. I don't know if it's the same guys or what have you, but right. it seems like they're, they're primed to be maybe even a quarterfinalist or semifinalist in in 2026 it'd or whatever nice. the year it is. Yeah, it'd be nice yeah. if you could do it in your, your home country. Isn't it, Me- isn't it like Mexico, United States, and Canada? Aren't they yeah, all in Canada yeah. as well, all hosting, yeah. I think? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, some games. And we are here in Seattle. Something to look forward to for some people. <laughs> Again, I don't hate soccer. People are like, oh, you hate soccer. You want, I, I don't hate it. I don't begrudge anyone uh, for watching it. Leave me alone, everybody. I just said I don't, I didn't, you know, I just, I don't know what I'm looking at either. So yeah, leave me alone. Well, you're going to know what you're looking at when you hear from Matt Stretch Johnson from Qatar. He's, uh, he's interviewed guest number one on this episode 217. You got the Seahawks no table, Joe and Brady. They'll try to talk me off the ledge. And Rick Neuheisel on the college bowl season, which is now set up with the college football playoff and all the rest, like Washington versus Sark yeah. in the Alamo Bowl. That's not bad. It's great to be joined again by Fireside Home Solutions owner John Waterstrat. How are you, John? Doing great, Mitch. Great to hear your voice. It's good to hear yours, too. And it's that time of the year for you guys, J-Dub. Stretch run in the NFL. We love it. Bowl games and new fireplaces from Fireside Home Solutions. Yes, and when we look outside, we see that snow already. And so we're ready to help you out. And we have great deals going on right now in our showrooms. And we want to keep you warm and cozy when those snowstorms come. We did our outdoor unit with Fireside. And while the fireplace itself came out beautifully, there are lots of places, as you know, that do lovely setups. But it was the experience that was really impressive. Your team came out to the house strategized with us. We came to your Bellevue showroom, which is crazy nice. Really, it's the process that sets Fireside apart. Talk about the steps that we go through this winter to get a new fireplace. Well, we want that to be a great buying experience. Like we said, we always are here to get the best brands for you, but our belief is we need to come out and consult. We need to make sure that we measure up your fireplace, make sure that insert or fireplace is the right one for you, but also that make sure that installation is going to work. So when we're out there for installing, you're enjoying that fireplace once we're done. From soup to nuts and garage doors too. How's that arm of your business doing, John? It's doing great. That cold weather is starting to uh, make those garage doors creak or Mm -hmm. broken springs, but we have a service department that can help you out or if you just need a new garage door please call us and we'll be right out there and we'll get that replaced for you fireside home solutions has just been great john's been great title sponsor of our beat the boys competition for a third consecutive year and just overall a terrific partner that makes mitch unfiltered possible start your fireplace search and end your fireplace search at firesidehomesolutions.com ladies and gentlemen boys and girls guess who's joining us will typically I would call him Jordan Flowers, J-Flow of the Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. But that's no longer correct. Right, Jordan? That's right. We've officially moved and are in our new office space here in Woodenville, Washington, downtown, right next to our great partners at Zeke's Pizza. You got to go there three times a week for lunch. Now, how am I going to get used to saying the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. How many times am I going to make that mistake? And how many times (laughs) am I going to hear from you? Mitch, you keep calling us the Kirkland office. I've got the over underline at plus or minus 10, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Interest rates have been a, a topic of conversation around the country, around the world. 
kind of like butterflies these days. What are you seeing? Yeah, we, we've made it through this year's highs. We've been seeing rates coming down over the last month and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are sitting still at elevated levels, but they are down a solid half to three quarters percent interest getting back into the sixes. And with all of our buyers, we are working with them to get them into the three, four five percent range right now. Speak to us specifically. How do you guys do that at Cross Country Mortgage? Yeah, it's a it's a program that's come back into the market. Really, it's a temporary buy down option where we're working with the sellers getting them the sales price that they've been coming on at and getting credits for our buyers to help temporarily buy that rate down for the first year, second year, third year to get that payment down until they're ready to refinance into a long-term 30-year fix at that no rate. And before we finish up, I got to say thank you from all of our listeners. I think everybody knows by now that Jordan Flowers of Cross Country Mortgage gave away, I think close to 100, maybe a little less, tickets to Mitch Unfiltered fans for the stretch run of the Seattle Mariners season. That was incredibly kind of you, and it was great to get some unfiltered listeners who wouldn't ordinarily be at the last homestand to be there with you and Cross Country Mortgage. Mitch, that was so fun to do and partner with you on. And you're texting me like, email these people tickets, do this. Why haven't you emailed these people yet? It was like, it was just chaos. It was a frenzy. It was so fun to be a part of with that. So thank you for everybody for participating in that. And next year, we'll do more and they'll go further. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Jordan Flowers now of the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Reach him directly. 425-890-2957. What a great partner. What a great sponsor for years now of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Yedlin with a key block there. Zimmerman recovers it. Yedlin resets. Pulisic's going to get there. Pulisic running in. Gets the cross and free out of outside. Third goal for the Dutch. Dumfries assisted the first two, scores the third. Who said Mitch Unfiltered isn't an international podcast? Qatar bound, where the U.S. denied a trip to the World Cup quarterfinals by the Netherlands. Where in the world is the man I named? Stretch, Matthew Stretch Johnson, the former voice of the Sounders. Where do we find you? You find me in West Bay, Doha, Qatar. (laughs) So West Bay is just, uh, you know, a municipality of Doha. And I'm sitting here in Doha, depressed after this game. But it's been been an amazing trip. And we're only five, six days in. So I'm in Qatar, my brother. You sound like you're in Puyallup. You sound right next to me. Are you sure you're in Qatar and not like in Shortcrest or somewhere? Yeah, you're funny. Yeah, I'm actually in Federal Way. I'm in a sports <laughs> bar right off of 99, <laughs> and I'm just trying to fool people. I wanted to get the hell out of Shoreline for 10 days, and so I'm in Federal Way. No, isn't it crazy? I mean, crystal clear, you know, texting and, and uh, cell, cell business and, and just phones is just it's – it's, it's, it is kind of cool. But yeah, I'm in I'm in Qatar. The uh, 14 and a half hour flight and the and the jet lag. Uh, I can attest that uh, <laughs> it's a bitch getting here. But we're, but we're rolling. We're rolling. You and your brother yeah. are having fun. They don't want you to have too much fun in Qatar. Should I worry that someone could be listening in 
on this conversation right now and end it abruptly? No, I could tell you they, they got us right where they want us. There's a ceiling. There's, a, there's an absolute ceiling each, each night. Uh, well-documented, there's no beer on campus at any of these stadiums. And, um, but in all the hotels, our hotel, there's, there's cocktails served down the, this great Mexican restaurant where we watched a couple games, there's cocktails. So uh, you can do a little bit of damage, but uh, not, not as much as it would be in a regular, you know, in France and Germany and things like that. Um, But it's fun. It's just, it's, it's different. It's different, but it's, it's safe. It's friendly. It's, the cleanest country I've ever been to, but uh, yeah, you've either got to really pound some beers or, or you play catch up a little bit later. Stretch a three, one defeat on Saturday. Disappointing. Yes. Uh, very much. So, I mean, you do the big picture and yeah, I mean, did you really think you're going to beat the Netherlands? I think it was the goals also that the team gave up. And that's the struggle to really wrap your arms around. Like, for a team like the Netherlands, you can't leave these guys cutting across the box, making these runs. There was too much space. It really good teams, really good players make it look easy. And, and they made it look easy on the goals. And obviously the last one was very disappointing. One of our best players, our left back got caught inside and, and you, you leave these, you know, a guy from, uh, from Holland is not going to miss these opportunities. And that's what it comes down to. It's coming. It comes down to, as we say in soccer, you got to take your chances. Mm-hmm. And uh, besides the struggles with the U S of not really having a true striker and a guy that's dominant up front, you got to take your chances. And, and Holland only had a few chances and they took all of theirs. I even watch Stretchy, and I have observations. Would you like to hear Mitchie's very professional observations of the game on Saturday? Yeah, I'd say quickly. It, I, I'd say really quick. <laughs> I'd say really quick. Yeah, I'd like to hear him because the World Cup is the time for uh, us soccer fans to listen to others. You know what I mean? I'm being serious, and it's like you're not going to watch soccer for another four years. I get it. And, and this is where the U.S. has this momentum to gather a, a following that, that won't be around for four more years. So I, I would be interested to hear your, you know, concise, <laughs> quick uh, synopsis of the game. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll list them. Uh-huh. I'll list them. Number one. Yeah. USA had a chance or two really early in the game. And mm-hmm. I wondered to myself, not knowing anything about soccer, if they would have converted on that chance or two early in the game and taken a 1-0 lead, whether the game would have been different if the Netherlands were playing catch-up in the first half. Yeah. Um, yes, there's an old adage, and Ziggy Schmidt used to, the late, great Ziggy Schmidt used to say this, is goals change games. And when you score a goal, especially early, and you are the underdog, let's not kid ourselves, that might make, it, even though it was so early, um, it opens up other teams. They're going to mm-hmm. start taking chances. And if it's not, you know, if it's not just on the field, it's mentally that they're pushing and pressing a little bit. Yeah. You've got it. You've got to convert those play, uh, those chances. And especially early, it just sets a tone. It just kind of, it just changes the whole thing. Soccer. You're, you're talking about the same thing. It's like a, a long bomb or, or an open tight end in the end zone. There's a lot of analogies with other sports where you've got to hit that touchdown pass instead of getting three points. Right. It's a, it'll, it's a lot the same. So yes, those couple chances were crucial. Mitchie observation number two. It seemed like in the games that I watched the U.S. play in the World Cup that they were better, despite the fact that they were two nothing down at half. 
It seemed like they were better in the first halves of all the games, and then they kind of labored in the second half. Was I right on that or not? And what's the reason? Um, you'd have to go game by game and not to steal other people's theories because each game is a story within itself. The England match, you, you had one of the top five teams in the nation back on their heels and you controlled the possession. And so it was an interesting, for soccer fans, a thrilling nil-nil uh, tie. And then Iran, it was, it, it was a different deal. I would agree with you that in the first half, of that third match versus Iran, it it was a, a better moment in the first half. You obviously got the goal and you were playing hang on, but that is where that goal changes things. And then you allowed um, possession to Iran. But I would say, I would say the first half and then the first 15 or so minutes of the second half in a couple of the games, mm-hmm. at no point did they capitalize. The, this team didn't score many goals. And, and again, it's a scoring issue they don't have a front guy. They have a bunch of slashers and guys out wide. But yeah, I, I would say that's that's. I would agree with. Um, yeah, I would agree pretty much with that theory. Okay. It's pretty good. Okay. okay, Mitchie, observation number three: the goal before half was a killer because you had played a good first half. You were down one nothing, and it almost felt like the half was basically over. I don't know how the extra minutes work. They put this number plus up on my screen and then they go far beyond yeah. that. So I don't even know. It's the only sport in the world where you can't tell when the, the when the clock is going to strike zero. That was weird how that happened right before the half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're crushers. A goal in the last three to five minutes of the first half and a goal three to five minutes at the start of the second half are absolutely crushers. I mean, they're just, they walked off the field. My brother looked at me and he said, no, it's over. And that's, that's the reality you're in. You're not going to score two. You generally are not going to score two against a team like Holland. It just does not happen. You, You obviously got that one back and you had some momentum, but back to your thoughts and your observations, that's exactly right. Yeah, it is a crusher. You have a big time team. Now, maybe they're not that rated that this, this world cup cycle, but a team like the Netherlands two nil right before halftime, it just, it just smokes you. It just absolutely. And you saw the body language we did in person at anyways, the body language of every player was like crap. Mm. Oh, that just, that just stunk. So yes, absolutely. You can't do it before halftime. Can't. My fourth and final observation is my blue plate special. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Oh. I don't, I don't, I don't know that yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to probably butcher the terminology, but I'm sure about what I'm about to say. I don't understand. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't understand. And you kind of touched on this. I don't understand why when the U S has the ball right in front of the Netherlands goal, it seems really congested and guys aren't open. And yet on the flip side, when the Dutch have the ball right in front of the U.S. goal, guys are waving their hands wide open. Like on that third goal, there's guys not being covered. There seems like there's more space and more opportunities. I don't know soccer, but that's what I observed. Why is that the case if it is the case? Man, do you really not like soccer? I mean, you're nailing this. I mean, is it just bore the hell out of you? Yes. Everybody does it yes. like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well put. That's exactly right. So what, what the Netherlands, you, you give them credit for scouting. They absolutely jammed up anything we wanted to do because, we, again, we don't have a guy that stands in the front 
and can bring the ball down and dish. It, it, think about uh, Malone from, from the Utah Jazz, right? Uh, Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. You, you threw it into him, and people just started running all over the place, and he would throw it to other – you know what I mean? Uh, and just dish the ball off, and, yes. and someone would score. Think of it like that. Yes. Think about a, a post-up a post man. So what the Netherlands did is at, a few times my brother and I were like, oh, my God, they're not going to get through that. They can't get through that right. because of the width – the out wide guys, the guys that are all out wide, they're starting to slash in. And all of a sudden you add seven guys, eight guys from the Netherlands and then six guys with us. There's 14 guys in a box, right? And the box goes 18 yards. And then there's maybe inside this 12 by 18 little area. There was no space because you have to go boom, 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 boom to be able to beat a team like the Netherlands. If they're going to play you like that again, we just don't have a true number nine, as they call it. So mm-hmm. you're spot on. I mean, it's absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. And the Netherlands players are so technically sound that they're moving and cruising. They have a striker. They've got guys out wide. They have a guy right behind another line deeper, and they're just moving the ball around. So it looks like, especially on the first goal, that there was two guys that were wide open in the box. And there were. Yeah. And there was one guy wide open at the end because they were. Yeah. And they were because they are a fluid, fluid, talented team. And the U.S. is still figuring this out on how to break down the other team. Stretchy, stupid question. When I go to a hockey game, and I don't know anything about hockey, and the team is behind late in the game and they need to score a goal or two in the last minute, they pull the goaltender and they put an extra offensive guy on the ice to try to score the goal because giving up a goal in that situation doesn't really matter much anymore. Why don't I see the same thing right. in soccer? Is there a simple explanation of why that doesn't happen in soccer? You do. It's just a different version. What they do in soccer is you pull a defender or you pull a defensive midfielder and you throw on an offensive player. You throw on a striker or a winger or an attacking player. That's what you do. You don't touch the goalie. He's going to stay put but you're going to pull a defender off. You're going to pull someone who's defensive minded and you're going to put an attacking specialist in in the last 10, 15 minutes. That's, that's the soccer version. Yeah. It happened a couple times tonight. Yeah. But it happened late with Jordan Morris, but you're, you're pulling defenders because it's time to the old adage is you can lose two zero, especially in a knockout round. You can lose two zero, three zero, four zero. We used to do it in our old, I think you used to call my league a rec league. And it was a little better than rec league, but a couple of us who were, you know, kind of coaching the whole thing up was like, you guys were down two nothing. We could be down four nothing. Why don't we do this and put this guy up here and you kind of switch things around in soccer. You know, you'd take off a defender and you put on an attacker in the 70th, 75th minute, whatever, whatever the coach. And that's where the coach is yeah. open to a little, you know, you can criticize the coach. Was it too late? Was it too early? What have you, but that's the move in soccer with the analogy with hockey. Yeah, you don't but, pull the goalie, you just pull a defensive player. But you're not answering the question. What about in the 85th minute when you're 3-1 down, pulling the goalie so that you have an extra man? I know you're leaving the net wide open, but who cares at that point? It's 3-1 and you're in the 85th minute and you need two scores. Why, why not pull the actual goalkeeper and have an extra man out there? Oh, because... Soccer is not like hockey. Hockey, you can you can pin a team down inside their blue line and just pelt, 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 pelt 
uh, Ron Hextall, the goalie, right? Mm-hmm. And just keep hammering him and hammering and hammering him. And that puck is barely ever going to get out of the zone to the red line, let alone the other blue line. In soccer, that's not how it is. They clear the ball. Dupay, the, the speedy winger from Holland, is going to get it and he's going to score. And that's just not how it works. I mean, you can also kick the ball in from midfield in, in soccer and heck, you go a game, it's one nil. And all of a sudden you got to go two, three goals. It just, it, it, it doesn't work that way. It's a, it's a suicide mission, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You can, you can bring the goalie up and have him more as a sweeper, but he's got to be in net the whole 90 minutes. He comes up actually, if you're down, um, you might not have seen this in this tournament. It's only happened a couple of times where the goalie comes up for corner kicks. And he'll come up and go for it because you need a goal in the last two minutes. But yeah, yeah. yeah, goalies aren't ever going to come off the pitch, no matter what people think, nor are the goals going to get bigger for more scoring. (laughs) None of that stuff. All right. Final minute. I hear you. Final minute with stretchy from Qatar. So what's the overall assessment of where American soccer is? I'm assuming I'm going to read lots of articles about that in the coming days was getting out of the pool and into the round of 16. Good enough. And, and I'm interested to know your take on, and I think I heard you kind of mention it earlier, what kind of team did they run into? Did they run into a great team? Is this Netherlands team one of the five best teams and could win the whole thing? Or did they run into a really good team? Well, let's start there. They ran into a really good team with fine players and the best defender on the planet uh, in the back back there. They didn't run into a great team. They didn't run into a team that's going to win the World Cup, uh, but they ran into a great program. The Netherlands are always consistently hard workers and technically some of the best. This isn't for them. So we call it a World Cup cycle. This World Cup cycle is about one or two away from what where they were, where they were premier and they could have won it and should have won it in either 2010 or 14. So they didn't run into one of the best. I don't, I don't think they are going to get past either France or Brazil. Uh, but, um, but what you're going to read in the next couple of days is a controversy. It's very interesting is whether Greg Berhalter, the coach should stay on. So we'll start at the beginning, getting out of the group, I think was a must. I think Wales, that was a, that was a miss there, that tie that should have been a win. So that would have been a little bit easier for the Iran match. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the England game was a total win. Uh, that's a top three, top five club. A lot of young in their prime stars on that squad. So getting a point there and then getting out was, was really good for the development of these guys. A pressure-packed match versus Iran. They did it 1-0. They held on. Maybe they shouldn't even won. There were so many chances for the opponent at the end, but they did it. So the step is now moving forward. They've got a really good young core, really good young core. Um, after not missing, after excuse me, after not making it to the World Cup in Russia, here you are with this group. So getting out was a must. I thought it was a must. If you didn't get out, it was a huge disappointment. You did. Now you move on. You fell flat a little bit. You fell flat, but I think the Netherlands had more to do with it than a lot of people are going to give them credit for. So young core. You build with this, you add to this, and I think they've got a, a very good chance while they host the next World Cup, they have a very good chance of making it to the next stage, mm-hmm. you know, not just the round of 16, but mm-hmm. but winning that match and moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you're going to hear a lot of Greg Berhalter talk out. There's already names being floated. I think it's kind of unfair, but he, he has made some decisions. 
especially with some players and player rotations that he's very much open to criticism. But, you know, my brother said it perfectly. He said, did you really think he looked at, did you really think you were going to beat the Netherlands? And I didn't think we were going to, I didn't think we were going to. So I'm not surprised. I'm surprised at the easy goals they gave up. That's how I would answer that. And finally, what's now for Stretch and his brother? How spread out are these games, city to city? Where was, I saw you on TV, where was the game against Iran? Where was the game on Saturday against the Netherlands? How spread out are these games? What are you going to do for the next week, week, week and a half? Well, we have, we got here last Sunday and we leave here Wednesday. So we're, oh. we will see every knockout match. We'll see a knockout match a day. And then we will take off on Wednesday. So we continue to watch the matches. We've been to a game every day, which has been so fortunate. This little country is the size of Connecticut. Oh. There's eight stadiums. And to get around, they built a brand new subway system. You walk to the subway. The subway takes you to like a little bus barn. And the buses take you to the, uh, to the stadiums. So it is super easy to get around. And it's, it couldn't be any easier. So you just get on a bus and get mm-hmm. to the stadium. And so you just keep going. So yeah, nice. we'll continue to go to these knockout matches until we leave uh, on Wednesday. Nice. Any Jewish guys in the country or no? Am I not allowed in? Uh, I don't think this, <laughs> this World Cup cycle, you're, you're, not, you're not allowed in. But I'm nervous just answering that question, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I'd like to pass. Uh, um yeah, I'd like to pass on that. There, there is, we barely see police. There's security everywhere. I mean, to walk up and down the street in front of the hotel is super safe. Like walking anywhere by yourself. A guy that lives here was telling a story that he left his groceries out on the front of his house for like three, four hours and nobody touches them. Everyone's got a job. If you get caught stealing, you're doing three to five years. There's no questions asked. There's no appeal system. Uh, it's just, there's no crime. There's just no crime. We haven't seen a police car since we've been here. Um, and it's, it's wild. It's wild that way. So it's, but it also could be one of our, it could be a strange one, but it might be one of our favorite because it's so relaxing and we're going to games every single day, which that's what my brother and I love doing. So would I make it out any daily schnozzes there or nothing? Am I, would I be safe? Would I get home? No, I'd say you'd get in, but you probably wouldn't get out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's would... how I would answer that. And and now I'm I'm getting nervous on this on this call, so I don't know if if they're monitoring who I'm talking to. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, you know what? It is weird. We we talked. Uh, what what we talk? We talked a few months ago. You do not see any public. Uh, uh, Public affection. You do not no, see any. No, 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 Zero. No. Zero. No. No, no, no. 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 There's, uh, there's not even hand-holding. And I'm being dead serious. No. So it's – and I know someone's going to say, and you idiot, what, where do you think you are? Of course there isn't. But we're, we live in America. I mean, you can see people just going at it on the corner of the street. I mean, you know, we're used to something else and, you know, different culture, different customs. But So it's, it's no. very formal. Very formal. I'd make it in. Which is fine for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'd make it in, but I wouldn't make it out. Kanye. Kanye would be that's, happy with that. Yeah. Stretch. Kanye would be Yeah, thrilled. that's where my money's at. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd have 50 bucks on that. And then he did three right. to five years, and we'll just welcome you back. All right. You know how much I love the fact that you travel with your brother every four years to the World Cup. Go enjoy it. Thank you for making time for us. And when you get back uh, home site safely, we'll visit again. Thank you, Stretchy from Qatar. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitchie. Hey, look who I found. It's Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning for Evergreen Golf Call, an incredible partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Katie, how's everyone doing over there at at Evergreen? We're doing very well, Mitch. How are you? Uh, Very well. I'll have you know. Everyone knows by now. Mitch went three for three last time. I'm expecting that the streak is going to continue. Do we have a theme today? Yes. So theme today, we're doing an economic update. So I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast, the Evergreen Exchange. It's a bi-weekly podcast that we put out. It discusses investing, the economy, and other financial planning topics. So for those who are interested in learning more, you can find the Evergreen Exchange anywhere you listen to podcasts. Which is also produced by our producer, Steve. So I'm ready for question number one, Katie. Go. Okay. So the Federal Reserve has been increasing interest rates in 2022 to slow down the economy and fight inflation. Has this year had the quickest increase in rates in 40 years? Is that true or false yeah i think it's true i think i read something about 40 years i'll say true katie that's right we've had the fastest tightening cycle this year the second fastest was in 1995-1996 we find that the fed really tends to overcorrect when they're during these tightening cycles and that has pushed us into recessions historically we're expecting them to increase rates two more times here in 2022 and so that's part of the reason why the markets are down so substantially with stocks and bonds both down about 20 percent and now i'm on a four question streak let's make it five question number two katie all right since 1950, there's been 14 Fed hiking cycles where they increase interest rates. How many of these 14 cycles have ended in a recession? Is it six, nine, 11, or 14? Would be a total guess. I can't believe it's 14, and I'm sure six is way too low. I'll go 11. I'll go C, Katie. That's right. You got that one right. Yes! Typically, what the Fed is trying to do when they increase interest rates is to have a soft landing to ease the economy, to slow it down, but not slow it down too much. And historically, they have not been very successful in doing so. Oh, my God. I'm five for my last five. Shall we quit now or do we go to a question three, Katie? (laughs) We'll see. This one's a tough one. Okay. Interest rates have increased dramatically this year, which has really shifted the income markets. So in October of 2021, a year ago, a two-year Treasury bond was yielding 0.5%. So today, what is that yield? Is it 2.5%, 3.5%, 4%, or 4.5%? Ooh, 3.5%? Stab in the dark? So you didn't quite get that one right. It's actually D, 4.5%. I tried to trick you with that one by putting it on the end there. It's been a huge amount of income pickup over the last year from 0.5% to 4.5% for these bonds. So we're finding a lot more opportunities in the income markets versus what we saw a year ago. So while we think there will be continued volatility in the stock market, we're finding a lot of more opportunities to increase income. For those that are interested in learning more about this, how we're positioning portfolios, I'd recommend listening to our most recent podcast and checking out our website at evergreengk.com. And of course, the Evergreen Exchange every other week from Evergreen Golf Call, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and everything wealth. 
Unfiltered. Motion again. The give is to Akers. Hesitates, drives, Akers leaning, touchdown, Rams! They take the lead with 2.56 to go. The fake. Rolls right, throws for the end zone. It is caught by DK Metcalf. Overpowering the Rams to snatch it away and give Seattle the late lead. Some really exciting things happened, you know, on our side, the way we finished. And uh, on both sides of the ball, um, particularly the CG, don't have the chance to go down and take the team down the field and do it and just execute his tail off and, and have a huge game again, numbers-wise. Um, it's just what he's doing. This is the season that he's playing, and we're lucky to have him. Well, how quickly things can change, boys, in the National Football League, or did they change on Sunday? The Seahawks win perhaps unimpressively. The Niners win, but now are left with Mr. Irrelevant, the last player drafted in the 2022 draft as their starting quarterback for the remainder of the year. I guess the NFC West is up in the air. Is it or isn't it? It's Seahawks No Table Time, Taco Time Northwest, and their 60 years of excellence present Joey Fan and uh, Brady Henderson I guess we should start right with the injuries, Brady. Normally we don't do so, but tell us about Ken Walker. What do you know as we record episode 217? We don't know anything definitive. Pete Carroll uh, was a little vague. He said he was too early to tell uh, after the game exactly how bad it is, but he said uh, it's a, quote, jammed ankle, whatever that means. He said it's not a sprain, which I took that to imply that it's something less than a sprain. Doesn't sound like it's season ending, certainly. Um, but beyond that, it's really hard to tell, but, uh, you know, it was bad enough to where Walker could not come back in the game. But, but again, the early indication based on what Pete Carroll said, albeit vaguely was that it's, uh, not going to be something very serious. Joey fan win bet in Las Vegas, Joe, at the end of the game, I guess I was exasperated and I decided to tweet out something like excruciating, but we'll take it. I guess. Yeah, the Twitter followers were not happy with that. Seahawks fans were not happy with that. You're an old man, Mitch. You're a get-off-my-lawn. You're being pessimistic. It's a road win. It's a it's a win against a divisional. You take the win. It's tough to win in the NFL. Am I off base for being a little sour with the win, or should I be a little bit more excited about it? Well, first of all, I don't think I heard you ring the bell on yourself for that <laughs> reference. You don't hear the bell, but I'll ring it. Okay. What's wrong with the bell? The bell is no yeah, longer. No, the bell's not coming it's, through it's, well. It's not the it's, bell. It's, a, it's not the, the bell. The bell is broken. It, it's, it's, I don't know. No, it's the Zoom. If you listen to the actual show, okay. you'll hear the okay. bell clearly. We just want to make sure you're holding yourself accountable. <laughs> okay. uh, keep yes. the bell ready because okay. I, I tweeted very much the same thing. I said never apologize for, his, uh, for a win. The Seahawks had to have it. Playoff hopes very much alive despite a performance that didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. Right. And I think I got a lot of the responses that you did yeah. where it's where it's wow, the, the Rams always have the Seahawks number and, you know, the defense was better. And like, I, it's like, okay, people, people are a little bit grasping at straws. Um, it, yeah. You don't have to apologize for winning. And it, it was a win they had to have. Um, and, and it certainly keeps their playoff hopes very much alive, but um, you know, defensively hard to feel good about what you saw, you know, a couple of sacks, a Chen came back alive, a Daryl Taylor sort of game ceiling sack before the Barton pick was, was good to see. But you know, when you're, when your defense is desperate for a stop after your offense can only muster a field goal and it's a four point game and 
you give up a nine play 75 yard touchdown drive that doesn't even last four minutes. I mean, it was an easy button touchdown drive. It's hard to feel too good about what you did defensively against John Wolford, uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, and Van Jefferson. You know, yeah, they didn't get gashed on the ground, although Powell had three for 45. Acres was sort of in check with a th- an average of three and a half. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have like some amazing analysis for you other than I think Gino is a baller. And I think the defense is uh, panic button worthy um, because it was that bad. Well, and and let's reset the matchup here and and all the star power that the Rams were missing in this game. No Matthew Stafford, uh, no Aaron Donald, no Cooper Cup. They are all also missing their number two receiver and Allen Robinson. You know their backfield has had all sorts of issues. So uh, this was a game that frankly should not have been as close as it was, even with the Seahawks. Uh, losing Ken Walker the third to an injury in this game, even with the the very head scratching interception, I guess you could call it that uh, stood upon replay uh, surprisingly. So I I think the measure of whether or not this game um, was like an ugly victory or whatever Mitch was saying, do you come out of this game feeling more confident about the Seahawks? Uh, Cause I don't, I think struggling to put away a three win team that was all sorts of banged up uh, even on the road. I, I think that's a little concerning now, the most encouraging thing to come out of this game is that Geno Smith and Joe mentioned this Geno Smith was excellent and he's been excellent this season. Uh, I, I know he had the interception again. That's not by any means on him, even if it, it should have been an interception. That was not his fault. The Bobby Wagner ripped the ball out of Tony Jones hands as he was going to the ground. So that's that, you know, if anything, that should have been a completed pass to Tony Jones. Uh, the fumble also was a play where he gets hit as he throws uh, as he's throwing the ball. So, I don't know how much of the blame you put on. Can Gino I stop Smith. you for a second? Can I jump in sure. for a second while you're on that play where he fumbles? Have you gone back? Have either of you gone back and looked at that play? Yes, but not in a slow motion replay type way. Have you looked at it, Joe? I saw the slow-mo. Did you see that both tackles were on the right side of the line of scrimmage? Yeah, unbalanced line. That was they bizarre. Had, they, had, they had Lucas and Cross both on the right side of the line of scrimmage and essentially Damian Lewis was playing left tackle, and where do you think the pressure came from to knock the ball away? Damian Lewis. I, I mean, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something. Do they run that a lot, Brady, where they put both tackles on one side and they leave the other side exposed? I mean, what, what was that? Well, I mean, yeah, it's an unbalanced line. I, I don't know exactly what the point of it is. You see some teams do it occasionally. I don't think the Seahawks have done it in a, a year or two. It's not and totally uncommon, but I also don't know what the point of it is. I do know this. They should, whatever page of the playbook <laughs> that that play is in, what? they should take it out and use it as kindling to start a fire to keep them warm because that whatever that was should not be running. Sorry, I interrupted. Did you want to finish a thought? Well, yeah, my, my thought on, on Gino was that um, this game, I mean, he he's been really good in other games. You have not seen him do what he did at the end of this game, uh, which is lead them on a game winning drive late like that. And he's had some chances, even going back to last season, you remember the, the Rams game. Now that was, you know, he Tyler Lockett through or Tyler Lockett slipped uh, Gino through the interception there. The next week against the Steelers, he loses a fumble late. Also had a chance to win the Monday night game against New Orleans. Uh, going to earlier this season, uh, the Atlanta game, the New Orleans game again. So for all of Geno Smith's brilliance, everything he's done, that was the one box that he needed to check. And he did it in this game. Joe, you were being kind. You said, I guess, I think your words were, I guess they didn't get gashed on the ground. Well, I guess your definition of gashed and my definition of gashed might be different because they had 33 carries for 171 yards. 
And at one point during the game, I actually asked on Twitter, you won't hear it, but you'll see it. I actually asked on Twitter, why would you do anything but run the ball against the Seahawks? You can literally get five or six yards every time you hand the ball off, just as long as you use some creativity, end arounds, middle of the line, one side, other side. It feels like in the last three weeks that the Seattle Seahawks are just completely grasping for straws defensively, trying to stop any running game in the NFL. Well, and then you look at what, you know, the boot action does to the the pass defense. And it was out of sorts that entire like last touchdown drive uh, where they took the lead before Gino led the, the ultimate, uh, you know, what was ultimately the game winning touchdown drive. You know, it was a lot of getting Wolford out of the pocket, you know, the fourth down play, uh, what the touchdown was as well, right? No, the touchdown was just a run up the middle, but regardless, I mean, there was a lot of boot action on that drive and the Seahawks had no answer. Um, and there was no sort of edge kept on any one of those plays. So yeah, I, I think Brady said it perfect. I, I don't know how you could gain any confidence beating a three win team without all of its stars. And you can go for the silver linings of, yeah, it's a team that's had your number and you're on the road and it's a divisional opponent. And if that make, if that helps you sleep at night, knock yourself out, let it rip with everything down that list. But I can tell you had Geno Smith not engineered that drive, the sky would be falling right now uh, as we're recording this podcast in Seahawks land. And so mm-hmm. um, just because that one drive happened, you don't have to bend over backwards to try to, to excuse really what was a, a largely just embarrassing performance from the defense. Um, and there were a couple of big plays again, the sacks, um, the interception from, uh, from Tariq Woolen uh, was nice, but I think in an honest moment, I don't think any Seahawks fan would look back on that and say, yeah, this is a team that's ready to go make the playoffs and potentially be a problem. Um, they were very, very fortunate uh, behind incredible quarterback play and, and a couple of in- incredible receivers who had monster days. Tyler Lockett, a buck 28, DK Metcalf, a buck 27. They both found the end zone. It wasn't that impressive what we saw on Sunday. So let's talk about the co-headliner of the day on Sunday, which was in the 49ers win against the Dolphins. They lost jo- Jimmy G. And now they're left with a quarterback who was the last pick in the 2022 draft. The very last pick, 262nd. That's what they've got right now for the remainder of the season. But do you feel like the Seahawks has what the Seahawks have what it takes? to take advantage of a golden opportunity to slip in in the next five games and win the NFC West. Start with you, Brady. Yeah, I mean, you got to like their chances a lot more than uh, you did before that. I mean, before that, and I know how religiously you guys like to cite the ESPN's football power index numbers. uh, They really like the 49ers to win the division. I'm really curious to see what that looks like now that they're going to be starting Brock Purdy for the rest of the, of the way. Mr. Irrelevant becomes very relevant now. And that's a great lead to a story that all my, nice. uh, all, my all the writers in San Francisco can use gratis. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, the, the 49ers, what they have going for them, and you mentioned this before we started, is they've got probably the best defense in the NFL and maybe the best collection of skill players in the NFL. So it's not like Brock Purdy is going to have to carry the load the way some quarterbacks do. Uh, but that's dead. That said, he's still, you know, their third option this season. He's a backup quarterback without a ton of uh, starting experience. And so 
Um, I think they're going to be up against it to some degree. And boy, that, you know, week 15 Thursday night game in Seattle uh, against the 49ers just got a whole lot more interesting. Joe, the door was left open by the injury to, to Jimmy G. Can the Seahawks as incapable as they've really looked the last three weeks, can they walk through that door and take advantage? No, I, I, I wouldn't expect them to. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't say the Niners probably have the best defense in the league. I think it's absolute. I don't think it's close. Yeah. And yeah, when you mention the, the the combination of Kyle Shanahan's ingenuity and the skill players they have, I think they can do enough to get by as long as Brock Purdy. What they'll ask him to, to do is be a, uh, you know, a lesser version of Jimmy G deliver the football on the, the schemed up throws and don't turn the ball over. If you don't turn the ball over, if you go three and out every, you could go three and out every game. That defense might get you a win because then you're getting field goals on short fields. Cause you're going to get a couple of takeaways. The defense might score as it did on Sunday. That defense is ferocious. So yeah, I think the odds shift a bit back towards the Seahawks favor, but nothing significant that would tell you they're anywhere near the favorites in the division. So who was the great beneficiary of what happened on Sunday in Santa Clara, the Dallas the Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, the, and the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. Time to celebrate taco time Northwest and their continuing pursuit to add some great team members to the squad. They're always looking for people who love to do some work. Great perks, Compensation packages, tacotimenw.com. Guys, I think this is about as cut and dry a week for who was doing some work in the history of the Taco Time series. There seems to be three men from the Seahawks win <laughs> against the uh, against the Rams 27-23 that should be heralded as Taco Time doing some work. So I'll let you go first, Brady. Brady Henderson with the best editors in the business at ESPN.com. You go first on who was doing some work. Do you want me to talk more about them? No. Or, or no. Okay. I'll, I mean, I'll go with Geno Smith. And I talked okay. about him earlier, but you just can't say enough about the way he's playing. And look, he, he completed 71.8% of his passes uh, in this game. That would be remarkable. And it is, but that's his norm. Like he, every week you're seeing him hit that mark. And that's, that's sort of like, an that's something that a player might do once or twice a season. And it's just become his norm. Uh, you know, he had the three touchdown passes. I mentioned the two turnovers that, you know, weren't really his fault. Um, and again, I just can't overstate how big it is, how big of a, of a milestone I think it is for him to lead that game winning drive. And he was six of nine for 65 yards on that drive. Remember Ken Walker was out. DJ Dallas is banged up. So they needed him to carry the load there. And, and he did, it was a 10 play drive and he threw the ball nine times on that drive. Uh, that's the kind of thing that I think they need to see, you know, we've talked about what kind of a deal Geno Smith might command in the off season. Look, if the Seahawks are thinking about paying him big time money, they need to see drives like that. And, you know, for, for any, whatever reason, some his fault, some not his fault. They hadn't seen it until this game. And then he delivered. So, so Geno Smith was doing some work. And I'll say what I've said. I think the last two or three weeks, at least the last two weeks, Joe, to underscore what Brady just said, not only does Geno Smith have a big day, but again, he does it without a ground game. He does it with really poor protection from his offensive line. They were all over him all day without Aaron Donald. He does it with very limited defense from his team. He's really been asked the last two, three weeks 
especially against the Raiders and Rams, to, to go out and win the game by himself. He in the passing game. Go out and win the game by himself. He damn near did it against the Raiders, and he did it against the Rams. Your shot. Who do you want to take second? I'm going to leave the receivers for you. I'm actually oh. going to go off off the board, which oh. is 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 probably not allowed, but uh, I'm going to go there anyways. I, I, I can't echo Brady enough. Gino was just spectacular. I mean, you just mentioned it all, Mitch. It's the efficiency, the numbers, the total production. He has just been every week. I feel like I'm more uh, amazed by what he has done and, and he has exceeded every expectation I possibly had for him. And I, I even felt like I was kind of bullish on him. Like it, yeah, he'll, he'll be fine and he'll give you a chance to win. And now all of a sudden it's like, this guy's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's, it's amazing that we're here, but, but we are here and there's, you can't deny the fact um, I'll leave you the receivers, Mitch. Uh, I'm going to go with Bobby Wagner, um, who it, a guy who I know Bray and I both have a lot of respect for getting to know on the Seahawks beat, um, you know, the, the pick that, okay, you can say it was supposed to be overruled. Stupid. He was still Stupid. fighting for the football there and, and good things happen when you, when you fight for the football and and two sacks, three tackles for loss, he was all over the place. And I know he talked going in uh, about how this was just another game, but of course we know human nature is, is a thing. And, and he can say those things. And it's sort of like with a wink and a nudge, uh, and we knew going in that this would mean a lot to him and he, and he balled out. So that's a fun thing for him. When you get dumped by your old employer and you go out and kick their ass, show that, that yeah. you, yeah, kick their ass. That's a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Um, Bobby Wagner was doing some work and um, I hope, I hope every Seahawks fan can, can smile at that, especially the fact that Seattle got the win and look at that and say, good for Bobby. And I, I think that's how I look at it. And he'll be welcomed with the open arms on the final week, weekend number 18 of the NFL season when he comes home or when he comes to Seattle Correct. for the first for the first time. And yeah, not much to be said. The passing game was dynamite and it was Geno Smith and the two guys that uh, get paid to make big, big plays. They, they both made them 17 combined catches for Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, let me see the do the math on the spot. 255 yards and two touchdowns. 20 targets. They were uh, they were big time. And they had to make every single play that they made for the Seahawks to win 27-23. So, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were both doing some major work. I want and the efficiency there. I mean, the, uh, DK Metcalf catches all eight of his targets. Lockett goes 9 of 12. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's it's impressive when you see the efficiency. It doesn't come at a cost of the big plays. And that's what's so remarkable about this passing game. And what I've been most impressed by with Geno Smith is, is that that completion percentage we talk about is so impressive. But it's not like it's just a dink and dunk offense that yeah. you try to, yeah. you know, it's these 15 play drives. I mean, it, they're chucking it downfield. It's, it is really impressive. Is Goodwin going to be okay? Uh, I think so. Yeah. He came back into the game. He missed yeah. some time with right. the hand injury, but then yeah. he came back and I was just going to say, I mean, the game winning touchdown catch, that's not only a great tight window throw by Gino, also a really nice contested catch by Metcalf in yep. traffic yep. Uh, with maybe the best cornerback in all of football, Jalen Ramsey all over him. Seahawks win 27 to 23. They get back into the playoff picture on the inside instead of being on the outside. Some weird stuff with the Giants and Commanders tying in the NFC East. Of course, Mr. Playoffs later in the week will have all the information that you need to know about the stretch run and the playoff tiebreakers and what happened with the tie and all that good stuff. But for now, the Seahawks are 7-5. and five. They're not only in the playoffs, Joe Fan. 
but they currently own the third overall pick in the 2023 uh, draft. And let me also point something else out to you about that. Currently owning the second overall pick is the Chicago Bears. Would the Chicago Bears draft a quarterback? Would the Chicago Bears trade that second? Because there's two quarterbacks that have always been thought to be going one and two. Will the Bears trade the pick to somebody? He'll give them a King's ransom to move up to number two out of the Seahawks. Very interesting stuff going on on the flip side of the playoffs. The draft look of the 2023 NFL draft. Anyway, Joe, Joe, Gino Smith, hero of the day, Tyler Huntley. Hero number two, <laughs> 91 yards, fan. a 91 yard game winning touchdown drive. If you thought it was bad in Denver oh. uh, before, imagine what it's like after they, you know, lose. Oh. Have you guys been following the, the graph that, that compares yes, the bathrooms, bathrooms, the bathrooms to, yes. to, yes, it's going to be close. Yeah. It's going to be very, very close. Joe fan win <laughs> bet in Las Vegas. Thank you, Joe. Thanks y'all. And Brady Henderson in Los Angeles, ESPN. Seahawks insider with a great group of editors at ESPN.com. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. You know, there's nothing quite like the holiday season at Daniel's Broiler. And here's my friend, CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. And if you can take your mind off of USC football for just a half second, can you tell us how everything's going? You bet, Mitch. I'll take my mind off it for a couple of minutes for you. <laughs> we love the holidays. You know we love the holidays. I, it feels like Daniels was just built for the holidays. I know you've celebrated Thanksgiving yep. at Daniels with the family. It just kind of kicks off on Thanksgiving and rolls all the way through to New Year's Eve. All four restaurants are going to be really busy. We already are pretty well booked up. You know, it's fun in the bars. It's fun in the dining rooms. It's fun in the private dining rooms. It's It's uh, it's going to be a great month at all four restaurants. The Huskies are good. The Seahawks are good. Football is good. And the best bus boy at the Bellevue location, Max Levy, came home the other night and said, you're not going to believe this. They finally put TVs at Daniel's Bellevue. Now, how is it possible for 35 years I haven't been able to watch a football game in the bar area at Daniel's Bellevue? Is that possible? Is that true? I mean, as ridiculous as it, as it sounds to hear you say it, it's partially true. You've been able to watch in Prime 21, which is kind of the back bar there. It's always had a couple of TVs. There have not been TVs in the main bar what? until we just completed this remodel what? and put them in. And, and, and I know that sounds bizarre, but the reason is, as you know, we've got the piano there. We've got the great piano bar. We've got Jim Washburn, who's been with us over 30 years. He's the star of the show, and he's the reason people... Hold on. Come to the bar. So we didn't want to have anything competing. Hold on a second. What nights does Jim Washburn sing and play? At Daniel's Bellevue. So he used to, he actually, <laughs> back in the day, he used to be there five nights a week, three or four nights a week now. But yeah, back in the day, he, he was he was almost always there. But I know what you're going to say. Do he you never not, played on Mondays. Okay, do you, and, not, do you <laughs> not know that there actually is football on Mondays? You know what, Mitch? Better late than never is what I like to say. So uh, you got, now for the rest of your life, you can watch Monday Night Football at Daniel's Bellevue. I, I want to know what... What the boss is ordering and what the boss's family is. Or, in fact, I want to know how often you have dinner at one of the four lovely locations of Daniel's Broiler and what you're ordering these days. Well, I'm probably there once a week, not always 
for dinner, maybe yeah. sometimes for appetizer and a, yeah. and a drink, you know, but I'm an eight ounce filet mignon guy. I have been for a long time. Piedmontese is, is one of the varieties that we do. And I like that one a lot. My wife loves the fresh salmon. My kids who are teenagers now still eat like they did when they were, <laughs> when they were little kids, they still get the, uh, they love the popcorn shrimp. Oh, they love the steak strips. They'll get that for their entree. Why not the big boy for you? Why only eight ounces? Well, Mitch, I've been meaning to talk to you. You know, when guys get to be our age, may want to slow it down a little bit. But uh, but for the young people out there, yeah, I, I, I would go with the big boy. Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler, four tremendous locations, have been a supporter of mine for years and years, going back on the radio and now at the podcast. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Flings it downfield, and he's got the tight end. Yasmin is free inside the 15, and he rumbles on in. He's got the ball. No! Kansas State stops it. K-State's defense rises up on the goal line and denies Miller. Kansas State outlasts TCU. And they are Big 12 champions for the first time in a decade. Bowl season now around the corner. Episode 217 continues. Rick Neuheisel is here to break it all down. Taco Time Northwest, 60 years of excellence and going strong. If you're looking to do some work, Taco Time has positions opened across the board with some amazing compensation packages and perks. Look them up at tacotimenw.com. Mr. Neuheisel. From New York, you rolled the dice. You had to roll. <laughs> you didn't know when to cash the chips in and go home, New Heisel. USC not only let Washington down, let themselves down, let the Rose Bowl down, they let all of us down. You know what? I, As I just watched here this afternoon, the film of the USC-Utah game. Yeah. The answer to all those questions, the the, re, the retort to all those proclamations that you just made yeah. <laughs> is clearly there's no joy in Mudville or Troy or anywhere around the Pac-12 offices. But had Caleb Williams not pulled his hamstring, we would be rejoicing. I watched the film. Utah was able to assault the pocket because they knew he couldn't get out of the way. They were able to gang the box because the running game no longer had an answer because he's always the answer when he takes the ball from the belly of the running back and makes people miss. They were down on the three-yard line first and goal, and he would have walked in, but he knows he's got a bad hamstring, so he hands it off into traffic, and they don't get anywhere close to the goal line and end up having to kick a field goal. And it was that way. Their offense wrapped around him, and he was out. And it's a sad, sad day for all who were pulling for the Trojans and anybody who followed my gambling advice. <laughs> I feel tor- horribly, horribly bad for you. Did he lose the Heisman on Friday night? I don't think so. I I think Duggan got close. Duggan was was uh, wonderful to watch that last drive to take TCU down and tie the game. Yeah, ninety five yards rushing by the quarterback in one drive is an incredible thing 
And had he just punched it in, had he been, you know, knocked it in and, and TCU wins the game and we don't have to wonder if they're the third best team in the country. I think he, I think he might've gone past, but the way that it ended, I don't think enough. Just before you and I started to record for this episode 217, some really exciting news locally for college football fans here in the state of Washington and the Northwest. Michael Penix delivered the news via his Instagram account, Rick Neuheisel, that he's coming back. And I'm stunned for a couple of reasons, and you can take on him one by one. Number one, I'm just overall surprised he's coming back at his age. I started now finally seeing some rumblings about late first round, middle first round for Michael Penix. So, yes, I'm surprised that he's at his age going to play another year when he seemed to do all he could possibly do individually and his stock is as high as it could be. That's number one. Maybe more surprised at number two, which is the timing of all this. I would have thought we would have waited weeks let him talk to GMs, let him talk to scouts, let his people talk to other people to fully assess the situation. The fact that he already knows today, on the day that we're getting news of where he's playing in a bowl game, that he's ready to come back, you know, it kind of reeks of NIL or something. It's, there's something more to the story that we don't know, Rick. Well, this is not to say that there isn't a lucrative NIL deal available to him now. Uh, and no one can fault him for that. I mean, he got gets to stay in school. Washington's a wonderful place to hang out. The city of Seattle is going to embrace him. I mean, it's all sounds pretty good. And as you pointed out, things are going so swimmingly well for the Huskies. Uh, I know it's not the Rose Bowl, but they're going to get to play a marquee team in Texas in the Alamo Bowl, which is going to be fun. Uh, San Antonio is a great place to visit. Listen, he's having the time of his life. And here's the here's the one thing that I think does resonate with, with him. And probably Kalen DeBoer, they trust one another. And Kalen DeBoer probably went out and got as much information as he could get from the NFL to give Michael the best advice that's available now. And Michael felt comfortable that he can do better another year in the offense with what's coming back. And it won't be a waste of year in terms of finances, given what NIL can provide. So let's do it. Why not take more time? Why not Kalen DeBoer take more time as we get into that season well, where we find out about quarterbacks, who's going, who's staying, and what is my guy really looking at in the draft? I would say that, again, going back to that relationship between he and Kalen DeBoer, that there's a conversation that Kalen probably pressed him on that because if he's not coming back, which everybody could have understood and wished him well, thanked him for his time and effort, Kalen will want to get in that portal and find somebody who the next guy is going to be, but doesn't want to get into that portal. If in fact, Michael wants to come back. And so wanted to have these conversations. Here's what I can do for you. Here's what we can well, here's what the future looks like if you choose to stay. So probably that's what's going on. There are a number of quarterbacks out there right now that are wondering about this very same decision. Maybe it's not the NFL. Maybe it's just another place to go that might have 
a better NIL deal for me, might be a better offense for me, might have a coach that I'm more familiar with. I mean, think about uh, Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix when they, you know, met up in Oregon. It turned out pretty good for both of them. Uh, Caleb Williams and and uh, Lincoln Riley, it turned out pretty good for both of them. So people looking for that kind of comfortable relationships happening right now. What you just said about Kalen DeBoer and the transfer portal doesn't sound very encouraging for Sam Heward fans. Well, I'm. this is a hypothesis. I have no idea. But why, the, why it would be early is all coaches. There was no recruiting going on last week, Mitch. None. Because that was a dead period. When the regular season ended in advance of the championship games, in years past, everybody would be on airplanes going to who knows where to try to get who knows who to come to who knows university, right? Mm -hmm. we, that was going on. They made it a dead period because of the portal and trying to figure out if kids are in or out. And if they're, if they're wavering to have conversations, why one choice is better than the other. So in that conversation with Michael Penix, they probably put some things on the table. We're, we're you know, meaningful enough to Michael to say it's a better deal for me to stay. Look, I'm thrilled that he's playing at Washington next year. I can't wait to watch him another year. So I don't want to be hard to keep Sam Heward though. Oh yeah. Sam Heward probably yeah. will have to go. I'm very, very excited for this news. I'm happy for Huskies fans, but the, you know, this, the skeptic in me can't imagine that he can do any more. There's a there's always a skeptic in you. <laughs> <laughs> but but honestly, there's a lot of Bob Levy in you. <laughs> oh my god. But honestly, Rick, you saw his season. How how It was magical. How how can he how can he all he can be is a year older with the same number. He cannot be any more highly taught it, uh, highly thought after than he is right now. Can he a year from now? Listen, I'm not arguing that that your your point isn't well taken. And if he is, in fact, going to be a first round quarterback, the late first round, while it might mean a little less money than those on the front end, you get to sit behind somebody who's established and kind of learn the trade rather than being thrown into the fire. So it, it kind of can be beneficial. But all that being said, name, image and likeness creates another okay. uh, little thing to consider as you're enjoying what we all go back in life and say was the best years of our lives. USC dropped the ball. TCU lost and stayed put. Ohio State took the week off and jumped right into the fray. We've got Georgia versus Ohio State, Michigan versus TCU. Do they get it right? Was TCU placed at three because they are deserving or because the committee doesn't want a rematch of Michigan versus Ohio State in the semifinals? The committee had the audacity Boo Corrigan had the audacity to say that that never came up in the meeting room. Well, then they must have had a very small meeting room <laughs> because for that never to co have come up, that means everybody else would never. I, I, I can't even imagine that that would not come up. But the truth of the matter is, if, you, if you're deciding here are the four teams, they should ask the number one seed, who do you want to play? The number one seed should determine who the number four seed is. And I promise you, they would not have chosen Ohio State. They would not have said, we want to play Ohio State rather than TCU. Not in a million years. And every coach in the country would agree with me. That's not to say that Sonny Dykes 
and his staff didn't do a wonderful job. And I love Max Duggan. I think the TCU frogs were one of the great stories of the 2022 season, but to think they're the equal talent wise of Ohio state. And if they were to play each other, it would be a double digit line in favor of the Buckeyes. And given the fact that LSU just threw for over 400 yards against Georgia, and here comes Ohio State, Kirby Smart's going to be going to work early. Mm. Was there a way in for Alabama now that we look back upon it or not? Had the score, you know, when it was 21-10, you know, had the score ended 21-10? There might have been. But I think the committee felt the pressure of Alabama fatigue that Alabama had been there too much. It can't always be a rubber stamp just because they got good players. They actually have to do it on the field as well. And so it was a little, it, they didn't have a great win. Their best win was uh, Mississippi, Texas, Mississippi state. I don't know. Texas and Mississippi. Mississippi state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had to go to the last play of the game to beat a and M. So and the Texas Alabama, win, the Texas win doesn't help them because TCU beat them too and beat them better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but 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 it should have been a, a Michigan Ohio State rematch in in the Fiesta Bowl, in my mind. If we see Michigan and Georgia on a neutral field, of course, you and I will visit a couple times between now and then. But if we should see Michigan and Georgia on a neutral field, based on what you witnessed as you were in Atlanta to watch the SEC championship right. game, how much of a chance do we give khaki pants? To pull that off. I don't give him any more chance than I saw last year. I think uh, J.J. McCarthy has a little bit more of an it factor when it comes to, uh, you know, the big stage, maybe more than Cade McNamara, who now is off to Iowa. But I don't see enough skill uh, and the the defensive front for Georgia's like, you know, angry waves crashing on the beach. They just keep coming at you. So I, I, I don't see it an outcome that's far different from the one we saw a year ago. You know, you just brought up the Georgia defensive line and front seven. And I think rather than wait to the end, it's a good segue for me. There's a Seahawks team here that is watching closely the Denver collapse, the Broncos collapse and Russell Wilson for a lot of reasons. We love, we love watching Russell Wilson lose, but we also love watching the Broncos lose because at this moment in time, the Seahawks would have the third those, overall pick. Those choices yeah. are getting better and better, better and every, better. Right. <laughs> so here's a Seahawks team that can't believe, nobody can believe what they found in Geno Smith out of the scrap heap. He's been unbelievable. They could pick number three. Now, it's complicated because at, at this moment, the Bears would pick number two, and I can't imagine the Bears are going to pick a quarterback when they're sitting there with Justin Fields. They probably would trade the pick to somebody who wants to jump up and give him a king's ransom to get a quarterback, but let's let's go away from that for a second because there are two defensive players. The Seahawks need defensive players. They might need a quarterback too, but they need defensive players, and there are two that as we get closer and closer to draft day, we are going to here in Seattle, unless the Broncos get hot, and both of them are then not in play. We are going to debate for weeks and weeks and months and months. And that's the Alabama linebacker and the Georgia Will Anderson and the Georgia defensive tackle number eighty-eight. They are Kalen Carter. They are both incredible defensive players. Is there one that you like in the NFL more? Now, of course, you might say, "Tell me what the Seahawks have," and I'll tell you which one of those guys. They should take, but is there one that just 
stands above the other as just a dominant NFL player? I can see Will Anderson being close to what Micah Parsons has been in terms of a relentless pass rusher, a, you know, an energetic guy that can line up in a number of places and also drop and play pass coverage and do all that. Uh, but Jalen Carter, to me, is the guy that's the most unique in that he can play on the nose. He can play any of the defensive line positions, any of the defensive line techniques, and is so explosive uh, and such a, a nightmare that he's going to require so much attention. Everybody else is going to get one-on-one -on -one opportunities. So I would say that Jalen Carter at this moment is slightly ahead. Does it matter to you that defensive tackles in the NFL have to rotate a lot so they're on the field, off the field, on the field, and a guy like Will Anderson can be on the field from, for a, a larger percentage of the plays just because of the position that he plays? That, that's, that's a great point. Uh, and at Georgia, they treat it like uh, you know hockey shifts. They, yeah, he's, he's, he's rolled, so he doesn't play much more than 35 to 40 snaps a game. So... Uh, you know, when you don't have that kind of, you know, luxury of a roster at the NFL, how many plays and will his you know, productivity come down if he's having to be out there longer? That's all stuff that can be uh, ascertained, but he's a unique talent. I Listen, you're not going to go wrong with either one. You're not going to go wrong with either one. They're both, you know, bona fide, as they like to say in the South, bona fide. Early thought, and then we'll come back to it in future weeks. Washington, Texas, and the Alamo Bowl. Early thought. Early thought is high scoring. We'll take the over in that game. But I think the motivation for Washington to be there, given that they hadn't been to postseason a year ago, will be a catalyst, and I'll take the dogs in that game. A good game to watch. Sark against Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Quinn Ewers has never played in a bowl game. It's just down the road from Texas. Uh, it's, you know, 60 miles. San Antonio is 60 miles from Austin. So uh, there'll be a nice crowd there. But uh, I like the dogs just because I think they're going to be really excited to be in that game. Any other bowls catch your eye that are off the beaten path? I like the Cure Bowl. The Cure Bowl has UTSA. Uh, this kid, Frank Harris, had such a wonderful year. It's two years in a row for Jeff Trailer's uh, Roadrunner squad to win Conference USA, and they play Troy. And Troy has won 10 games in a row. Both teams have won 10 games in a row. They're going to play in Orlando in front of about 3,000 people. But both teams are really fun to watch. At Troy's mantra is, so what, now what? <laughs> I, these guys are as country as turnip greens, these two guys, John Sumrall and Jeff Trailer. I mean, they're going to be spitting chaw at the 50. And I'll tell you what about Jeff Trailer. We think here in Seattle, we have the NFL's defensive rookie of the year playing corner, a guy by the name of Tariq Woolen, who comes from, from UT, UTSA. And he was, a, he was a wide receiver there, just like Richard Sherman was at Stanford, and then converted to corner, and he has had, he's leading the NFL in interceptions, had his sixth on Sunday. He's a terrific young player, speed, agility. We love him here in Seattle. Jeff Trailers uh, was a high school coach, and when he left there, they named the stadium after him Jeff Trailers Stadium. Really? East yeah. Texas country guy. Very nice. Uh, are we doing some work for Taco Time? Was there anybody? Who, there's one person that caught my eye. I'm afraid that if I allow you to call the toss and take the ball, you're going to steal them right from under our nose. I happen to think. Then go ahead. I defer. Go I, ahead. I, I think there's an obvious choice for the taco time who was doing some work 
on conference championship weekend. Uh, for me, I love the looks of this freshman quarterback for Clemson, the Dabo. Okay, Klubnik? Yeah. He came oh, in. Oh, uh, no? goodness gracious. No? Okay, go with him. No, I like it. You got, you got to roll with it. No, well, I, I, you know, Dabo finally went to him. He took the other guy out. The guy went 20 of 24. They could hardly. But the story there is why did Dabo wait? I, of course. If, he, if that if that guy, what, what is Dabo? Did they get off my lawn guy? I don't understand that. If you, you give scholarships to all your kids, they should all be like your children. If one child is acting up, you sit him down and you put another child in the situation. I don't know. What, it was as if he was just being. Uh, uh, you know, acting out against the media for asking questions for a kid who went eight for 29. I mean, it was ridiculous. Well, I think he Great felt, win. He felt a Great loyalty. Win. He felt a loyalty to the kid. The kid was thought to be the next coming. But where's the loyalty like, to Cade Club? Well, he's just I mean, brand he, new. He's brand new, right? He, he, but he recruited him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's competition. And at some point you got to do what's best for the team. You got to do what's best for the team. And anyway, he did it. And Cade Klubnik was good. But, you know, I'm going with Max Duggan. Max in a, in Duggan. A loss. He willed them to that lap. But, oh. they, but they lost. I couldn't use him. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger on a he TCU. Was he, I, no, he was doing work. Great. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Oh, my goodness he gracious. 95 yards rushing the on the blood, last drive. The blood pouring out of his arm like Roy Barely, Hobbs yeah. in the natural, for God's sakes. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. It was awesome. But he's not going to. time should be so lucky to have people Duggan kind of workers. <laughs> but not enough to win the Heisman. Ah, close. Close. Uh, I bet Stetson Bennett gets some uh, some love. I think What my, a career. I think Michael Penix deserves to be in New York as a top five guy, but they'll never do it. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think they're going to, they don't no. like bringing five. It's a TV show, you know, and they have to have all these okay. stories about everybody. Right. So they cut it to three. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be no pick this week, unless you want to pick army Navy. There's going to be no pick, no pick, no pick this week, but he went out a loser on USC because of the injury. I did give you Troy. I gave you Troy as a cherry <laughs> on top. Give me a little cherry sauce. Yeah. But the Troy that you really <laughs> counted uh, the men from Troy that really counted yes, didn't come. Caleb through. went down, yeah. and all all of Lincoln's offense went with him. But there's more to come because he's always he's always ready for a pick or three in the bowl season. Once he peruses the numbers and we get closer, he's Rick Neuheisel. He's brought to you by Taco Time. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, my friend. Well, I'll be damned. Look, look who it. All right, that was corny. That was corny. Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza, is back with us. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. What's the latest over there, Dan? How's Zeke's doing? That was very corny. That's even cornier <laughs> than the nicknames. It's funny, though. Uh, uh, what's new over here? You know, it's it's fall time and lots of football, uh, lots of pizza, lots of beer. We're transitioning here to a new beer lineup. Fall has its own rhythms, uh, moves a little bit more towards delivering takeout and away from dine-in a little bit. But people are coming in to watch football in our bars and stuff. And so we're like probably most of the listeners here is we're, yeah. we're rooting, for, rooting for the Hawks and enjoying that. I'll tell you what, anybody who's listened to Unfiltered knows that you guys are growing like a weed. Spokane is humming along. A visitor, too, from a certain Gonzaga basketball coach. Boise, Idaho is on the way. That'll represent the first restaurant outside of the Washington State. And I was wondering, going back to the beginning, was that always the idea, the wide, wide footprint going outside of the state of Washington, Dan? Yeah, Mark Few asked for you while he was over there. I told him you'd be right over. I did. It wasn't necessarily when it started. Uh, Doug and Tom, our founders, it was more basic than that. They really wanted to 
kind of live the ultimate Northwest lifestyle. And to them, that meant powder skiing and windsurfing. And <laughs> they had lame jobs in Anderson Consulting that really didn't allow them to do a lot of that. So they, you know, they founded Zeke's to have kind of the independence and be able to build the life they want. And, you know, we continue to do that through our franchising. That's a cool thread from our origin. But pretty soon after we started, it became clear that we were definitely the pizza place that had kind of Northwest values at its roots. And it became clear that we could become the Northwest pizza place. And, you know, one foot in front of the other, all these years, we're on the verge of actually doing that. You mentioned that we're uh, getting ready to open Boise. That's on track for February. And, you know, we're working on Portland and it looks like that has a good chance of happening. And so between those two things, we actually will be the real Northwest pizza place. It'll be great. Incredible. Feels like winners really snuck up on us. Zeke's has always had the best local beer selection. We've talked about that. And you've always said that there are certain brews that go well with this time of year. What are those? Yeah, you know, winter beers, they heavy is the wrong term, but they're a little bit more high octane and drink one or two or so. We just got a new batch of Zeke and Destroy that hit uh, restaurants a couple days ago. And, and Zeke and Destroy is one of our flagships. It's one of the ones that you can only get at Zeke's. We talk about all the beers that you can only get at Zeke's and that's one of the most popular ones for sure. So we just got a new batch of kegs in for that. It's in most of the restaurants and like I say, it's high octane. It's a double IPA. It's almost 9%. So proceed with caution, but they're really tasty and they, they go really well in winter. So, Oh, Zeke's pizza, download the app. Great partners of Mitch unfiltered homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Hot Shot Scott, episode 217. Other stuff segment. I've got a lot. You've got a lot. Go. There's an announcement of an after-school Satan club at a Chesapeake (laughs) primary school. A flyer advertising the club started circulating on social media promoting it, which is set to launch at a school on December 15th. It says, we are non-theistic, says Rose Bastet, a volunteer organizing the club. I understand the apprehension behind the satanic name, but he is just an imaginary figure that we look to because he's the eternal rebel that fought for justice and humanity it's just people going look you say we can't have this or or these guys get this group and now we have our it's just people being difficult isn't it It, the after school satan club does that go on your college app as an extracurricular (laughs) activity if you go to the blue duke blue devils maybe that would work but (laughs) very good (laughs) thank you so much i'll be here all week yes anyway that's in uh, the national campaign director for the after school satan club june everett says she got a call from a lot of concerned parents so anyway let me rattle off a few sports ones for you hot shot Deshaun Watson, terrible in his debut after 700 days. It was 700 days exactly since he had played NFL football. Okay. 12 of 22, 131. The Browns did beat Houston in his old stomping grounds, but he was terrible. Okay. I don't know if that does anything for you, but I thought I should bring it up. No, I want to know. Neon Deion Sanders is the new head coach of the University of Colorado in the Pac-12. We talked about it last week. Did I bring that up? You did bring that up, that that was possible. And I said, I think it's bad for the Huskies. I don't know. $5 million a year he got. He's bringing his son with him, who apparently was a a top-notch recruit that he had playing at Jackson State. And there was another guy there. Here we go. I'm telling you. he's Neon Deion Sanders is going to be roaming the sidelines against your UW right here in Montlake. We're going to be talking whenever whenever the commit. When do high school players commit? Like January or February or something? We'll be talking that Colorado got like three of the top 25 players. You think it's going to work? I do. It worked at Jackson State. Why would it not work at a Pac-12 school? What's the difference? 
I mean, it's a Pac-12 school. It's a better market. It's a better yeah. everything. Yeah, I'm telling know. you, he's going to get good players, and I don't like it. Justin Verlander, the ace of the Houston Astros, is considering leaving Houston via free agency and signing with the Dodgers. I, for one, will not be sad to see him go, see him leave yes. the AL West, even though... Yeah, the Mariners handled him, though. In the postseason the game post-season, they did, and yeah. one of the times during the regular season. But Justin Verlander is considering his next stop as a, I think, three-time Cy Young award winner two or three times what's his age now he's getting up yeah, oh there. yeah oh yeah kate upton's kid uh, kate upton's uh <laughs> husband <laughs> not, not his kid. kid no 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 kate upton's husband mr kate upton yes what were the houston astros doing while the uh while the seattle mariners were adding Teoscar hernandez and colton wong you mm-hmm. ask i do they were signing jose abreu oh okay a three-time all-star from the white Sox, the 2020 american league mvp Jeez. At 36 years old, he hit 300 last year and led the league or second in the league in hits. And that's who the Houston Astros were adding as the Seattle Mariners were putting together a second base shortstop combination (laughs) of Colton Wong and J.P. Crawford. The rich get richer. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, one of the best arms in the sport, although he's hurt all the time. Big money from Texas. He will be joining the American League West. You get a chance to see... Jacob DeGrom against your Mariners a couple of times, three, four, five times a year. Ashanti's national anthem. Do you know who Ashanti is? You're asking me if I know the singer Ashanti? Yeah, I don't know. I'm familiar with her. She only sang every hook on every song for like 10 years. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, her national anthem at the Big 12 title game on Saturday. Have you seen that rendition? No. Everybody's a, a buzz about it. Good or bad? Good. She's a great singer. I'm not surprised. People loved it. And she just came out with a story about working with a record producer who said he's just going to do her song for free. They did two songs. Then he says, really? you have to shower with me or it's 40 grand. Oh, that was Ashanti? Yeah. That story just came out. It's weird that you brought her up. Oh. Just yeah, another scumbag in the music industry. So she didn't shower with him and called her mom and said, fix this. And so anyway. A lot has been written about her rendition of the anthem on Saturday in the Big 12 championship game in huh. Dallas between Kansas State and uh, t- uh, TCU. I went back and I watched it. It's very, very good. It's worth the three and a half, four minutes. I, it's, I mean, it's not Whitney Houston good. It's right. not like Marvin Gaye good. It's not like yeah, yeah, yeah. groundbreaking, the, but, but it's very but I, good. But yeah. I think it's. I think I'd like to hear what you have to say about it on the next on episode two one eight. Talented singer, that yeah. I know. By the way, you see the new Whitney doc or the new Whitney I'm movie? Going. I can't for? wait to go. I knew it. <laughs> can't wait to go. <laughs> the minute I saw it, I was like, "Well, the bitch will be there by himself again, <laughs> sitting there watching this cockamamie movie." Why? Am I the only one who would go to a Whitney Houston yeah, movie? I don't know. Really? I, for some reason, those those music band like ninety minute movies are just usually pretty crap. You know, like the the, the Freddie Mercury one was shit. I mean, how do you screw that story up, right? I mean, the Elton John one was like, eh. I didn't see that one either. Yeah, they're just kind of like, they just kind of run through the hits and they seem kind of, they don't seem very deep. And I don't know. It's maybe, not maybe. about her life? Is it just Well, about it is, her- but that's what I'm saying. It's like, but you can't, it should be like an HBO six-part series, right? Oh. Not 90 minutes. And yeah. I don't know. Anyway, you'll probably enjoy it. It's coming out like here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, you betcha. Theaters only. Oh. Go, go, go get on. Go get in line, buddy. You want me to keep going or you yeah, want to go? Go. LaShawn McCoy. Ever heard of him? Yes. He says, Bill Belichick is a regular coach. It's been proven this year without Tom Brady. Mm. Last couple of years with Tom Brady. He believes that he can't be considered the greatest coach of all time. This is LaShawn McCoy, former running back of the Eagles? Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. yeah, He was on TV. He says, you can't be considered the greatest coach of all time considering what your teams have done without Tom Brady. And I happen to agree mm. with LaShawn McCoy 
because there was a guy in Miami with a a, a pronounced jaw, chin, uh-huh. who coached Bob Greasy, Earl Morrill. He won with Dan Marino. He ran. He won running the ball. He won passing the ball. He stood the test of time. Let's not get go overboard with Bill Belichick putting him in Don Shula's class, even though he's he's about to catch him for the most wins in NFL history. It is interesting. I mean, I really thought Belichick would put a little bit better product out there after Tom left. It's been okay. It's been okay. Yeah, it hasn't. No. Now, if, if he ever wins one without Tom, then it's over, right? The, the, the question's over oh, about the greatest coach of all time. He's never going to win one without Tom. No. You don't think so? No. Okay, he's, but, he's no Shula. But, <laughs> but if he does, it's over. He's the greatest coach of all time, if he does. And then LaShawn McCoy can go crawling back to his embarrassed little hole or wherever he is because <laughs> he just won one. But yeah, I, I thought his teams would be a little better. I'm kind of with him. Do you follow Washington State high school football? Oh, like at crazy. All. Do you? Or that, are you being are that you being... play that the kid made for Yelm? So you know about this. Oh, do I know? I love it. Have you seen the quote from him after the game? Yes, I did. Okay. Tell me, though. Re- re- remind me. Well, first of all, you need to know what happened. Apparently, in the 3A state title game down in Puyallup, yep. Yelm won its first state title by beating juggernaut Eastside Catholic by the final score of 20-13. to 13. There you go. I have no luck On for Saturday. Eastside Catholic. They're right in my hood. They were down 13-12 was Yelm when Kyler Ronquillo. Mm-hmm. The coach's son. I've, have you seen the highlight of the play? Of course. Somebody uh, got a great, a great shot of it. They were somebody on the sideline got a great shot of it. Not like from up in the bleachers, like on the the sideline where it happened. It's it's amazing. Oh, I, I don't know that I've seen that video. Oh, it's, but I've seen video of it. Yeah, a ball is thrown. Essentially, a desperate ball is thrown by the Yelm quarterback. They're trailing thirteen to twelve. It's really, really late in the game. He throws this desperation pass that, from from where I sit. Looked like it was just it was just thrown to the defensive back. Yeah, it's a pick. It's, it's an over. easy pick. It's yeah. just thrown right to him. Yep. Way past the wide receiver named Kyler Runkeel. But the coach's son races, and as <laughs> the corner or the safety catches the interception, he rips it from him. Like in one fell swoop. You had to watch it was like it was like you had to watch it a couple times. Oh, and like, what just happened? Yes, I did. He grabbed it from him and ran for a touchdown. He sure did. Like but when they needed it, like I think they were losing, weren't they? I just told you they were down thirteen to twelve. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah. I should listen to something. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Hmm. It like with like a minute to go in the game. Yeah. He the coach's son just pulled the pulled the ball away, a la Bobby Wagner, even though Wagner didn't do it. Right. And this guy did. He pulls the ball away from the defensive back and then races 30 more yards into the end zone for a touchdown. Yelm wins. So here are the quotes from the coach, dad, and the player. <laughs> okay. Now these guys are what, 17 years old, 16, 18 yeah, yeah, years yeah. old? Probably not 18, but yeah. The coach is probably a little older. <laughs> um, it was the play of the year, says the coach. Probably the play of the decade. Okay. If that ball lands in that guy's hands, the game is over, says the coach and the proud dad. Here's the quote from the player, Kyler himself. I was double covered, and I didn't think my quarterback was going to throw it. The Portland State University commit said, who finished with 196 all-purpose yards, which included eight catches for 117 yards, quote, he ended up throwing it up there and put some trust in me. I thought he had it, but I just out- Weight roomed him. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's him. honestly the truth. He says, I just wanted it more than him. I went up, impacted, and ripped it straight from his hands. 
I'm a dog for real. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Good for him. Every time I watch like two football players going head to head, I always say, all right, who, who, who lifted more in the summer? Who lifted? I always think that like who, who was working hard and who, who's stronger right now in this little, but puzzle? what, but when did you ever get a high school athlete to give you a quote like yeah, that after a state title game? I outweight ruined him. I love it. Good for him. Outweight roomed him, and yeah. I'm a dog for real. <laughs> They're getting more and more brash, those kids these days, Mitchie. More and more brash. I do have to say that one of our listeners, Paul Lynch, yes. is a big Yelm fan, and so he and I are friendly oh. on Twitter. I know oh. him. So, so Hi, he, Paul. he was keeping me – because I watched Yelm play two years ago at Mount Si. Where is Yelm, Washington? Should I know that? Maybe. Is I it don't... south on the way to Portland? No. Where's Maybe. Yelm? Where's he? You don't know. You don't even know where Yelm, Washington I know. I don't. Is. For some reason, I'm thinking like. Where's Yelm, Washington? Like south. Like, uh, is like it near Factoria? Puyallupers down that way. I, I don't know. We could probably look at. By the way, home of one of the biggest cults of all time. That I know for sure. Jay-Z Knight. Do you remember that no, cult leader? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, now. really? No. Oh, that was kind of a big deal. Like in the 80s or 90s. I wasn't around in those Jay- days. I didn't know where Seattle, Washington was. Well, let alone Yelm, Washington. It was a big national story. If It was on Good Morning America. Well, anyway. Well, it's a good thing that you didn't have to cover the national story because you wouldn't have been able to find it since you don't know where Yelm Washington is. <laughs> That's true. Let's see if we can find where Yelm is. If only there was a way uh, to do it. You talk. Anyway, so I saw Yelm play against Mount Sai a couple years ago. I thought, yeah. this is a pretty damn good team because they beat really? Mount Sai, who's always good. So I wanted to keep an eye on them. And yeah. so I've sort of been following and rooting for them. Good for Yelm. You're a dog for real, Hotshot. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm with him. I, I, I got you, buddy. <laughs> Let's see. Yelm, Washington. If only we knew. Yeah, I'm, I have a map up and I still don't. Oh, Thurston County, which is sort of south like by Olympia-ish. Yeah, that's what I thought. On the, way, on the way to Portland. I think I've gone by Yelm. You, I don't think you would drive through it. I didn't say I drove through it. Yeah. I waved to it on the way by. You did, yeah. It's a little east, I think, of Olympia. Is Mitch Unfiltered a podcast if we don't mention Antonio Brown's name at least once during an episode? I have the exact same thought in my head when I put the story down. Every single it's- show, there's another story about Antonio Brown this time, he's now wanted. Did, they, did he ever turn himself in? Do you know? The last I read, yes. the, the police are outside of his house waiting for him. With a megaphone. And they, they know he's in there. Yeah. And he just won't come out because he's going to get arrested. Why don't they go in? I, I don't know how Maybe that Maybe they're works. not allowed. I'm not a cop. I don't know. Maybe they had a megaphone. Did you know they had a megaphone? I didn't know that. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> God. They were yelling through the megaphone. Oh, last thing I ever want to hear. Outside of Antonio Brown's house. Oh. It uh, stems from an incident involving the mother of four of Brown's six children. The mother of four of Brown's six children at a South Tampa home yeah. on Monday. And then let's see, what else do I have? Mm, I've got the, uh, I like the Dwayne Rock Johnson video that was posted this past week. Did you see that on his it. Instagram? No. Apparently when he was poor growing up from... Uh, growing up in Hawaii. Did he grow up in Hawaii? I think so, yeah. I don't know. Was he poor, though? His dad was a professional wrestler. He said he was dirt poor, had no money. He okay. would go into a 7-Eleven, and he would steal, like, Snickers bars. Okay. And the person who ran the 7-Eleven knew that he was stealing and would look the other way uh, and just say, let the kid have it. Yeah. Apparently, he went back last week oh, I'm gonna cry. to the 7-Eleven yeah. and video recorded, but he bought out all the Snickers bars 
And he, uh, they show the video. It's very sweet. Yeah. It's very nice. He's the most likable guy. He is a sweet guy. I wish he it? wasn't because I, I just. Sweet guy. He is. There's a video of him. Uh, there's like in driving through LA with the, yeah. with the bus of tourists. Yeah. He rolls his window down and they like, it's like makes their life. They actually saw the rock, you know, he just seems great. Well, if you want to be a little cynical and skeptical, you might ask, does he have to film all this stuff and show us all? If you want to do that, you want to go there? Because he went to the 7-Eleven yeah. and he video recorded him buying all the Snickers and handing them out and buying everybody else's everything. He's and helping his brand. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, you're going to complain about that. He's doing nice things, The Rock. He's enormous now, too. Goodness. He's bigger than Schwarzenegger in his prime, I think. He's so big. He's huge. I have one more story and then RIPs. I know you have RIPs. You probably have some stories, too. Yep. So I want to hold my last story okay. until the end. Lamar Jackson, you see the tweet he sent out? When? Post-game? Pre-game? When? He sent a vulgar tweet following the Ravens' emotional 28-27 loss to the Jags the previous that was Sunday. The previous week, yeah. Admitting on Friday he was just bitter about the loss. He apologized about it, but he, he fired off a, a, an obscene response minutes after Baltimore lost. A Twitter user said the Ravens should not sign him to a lengthy and lucrative new contract, to which... I, but who knew that these guys were reading comments? I mean, imagine how many comments Russell Wilson gets every day. Right? I mean, God, he said, he said, boy, STFU, shut the F up. Yes. Y'all be capping too much on this app. MF never smelt a football field, he said, before ending the tweet with, Ooh. never did shit, but eat a D. Yeah. So, uh. Not good. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said he spoke to Jackson over it on Monday, called it. He said it's out of character for him. Jackson deleted it and mm. apologized. And his, his girlfriend sort of encouraged him to go ahead and take that one down, I think. So anyway, we all lose our temper at times, but not a good look for him. Mm -hmm. Do we want to talk about John Kitna's son? No. Absolutely not. Holy cats. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Okay. That's a real bummer of a story. Yes, it is. It's a big story. I like John yeah. very much. Yeah, that's uh, let's skip it. If you want to, if you want to learn about John Kitna's son, do a Google search. Go yeah, to the you're next welcome story. Welcome to Madonna's MTV VMA for one of her iconic '80s hits. Will be sitting on a lucky, lucky, and probably wealthy fan's shelf soon. You know the Moon Man trophy? Yep. Well, hers for her 1986 song "Papa Don't Preach" is now on the auction block with an oh. estimated price tag of sixty thousand oh, dollars. Who's gonna blow sixty grand on a somebody? Somebody? Oh, somebody will buy this. Oh, of course, without question. It's a cool part of pop history. Actually, it was released as a single from her album "True Blue." It was her fourth number one hit. You remember the song about dealing with yeah. teen pregnancy yeah. and abortion, which, yeah. as you can imagine, stirred up plenty of controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Another cool item up for grabs in the same auction is Tom Hanks' military uniform worn on screen in the 19. 94 flick Forrest Gump. Remember his, his green? Yeah. That's kind of a cool one to yeah, have, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can go ahead and bid on that, which ends December Have you ever 7th. seen Madonna in concert? No, I, I haven't. Did. You did? Yeah. Before she was really Madonna. I mean, what she was Madonna. It was, uh, I was in high school, I think. It was in the 80s. It was like in the 84. Like 84. It was borderline. Yeah. So pre Like a Virgin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a Virgin is when she kind of blew up. Yeah. But, no, but way before that. Yeah. Borderline. Yeah. yeah. That was like her first. She was a little frumpy. And, yep. 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 Yeah. Kind of earthy. And the, she had yeah. all the, the baggy clothes. Yep. She was a young girl. Yeah. I saw her. Yeah. I believe it was the Sunrise Musical Theater that I saw Madonna. Well, how was it? It was Did good. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I think so. I don't remember. I hate to say it, but. Uh, uh, Boy, she looks different now. She can't stop. Just 
Really? Plastic surgery? She Lots can't leave her face alone. Really? I mean, imagine being Madonna, though, and like having to grow old. It, it must suck. I, I, I'm with her. You and I hate grow. Everyone hates growing old. But imagine if you're Madonna growing old. I, I get why she does it, but sometimes I see her. I'm just like, it just looks like a different person. I would love to see what she would have just looked like if she wouldn't have done all that. But anyway, a 25-year-old woman bit, kicked, and spit on sheriff's deputies at, a, mm-hmm. at Louis Armstrong, New Orleans International Airport. You almost Airport. stepped into my story. Okay. Oh, this is it. Huh? No. Close. Okay, well, she was reported to be the niece of former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and was identified oh. as Shannon Epstein. Really? Deputies were responding to Spirit Airline workers' request to remove the woman who had reportedly grown irate <clears throat> and asked passengers who she assumed to be Latino whether they were smuggling cocaine. Classy. Paramedics treated the deputies on site and police charged a woman with six counts of battery on a police officer, three counts of disturbing the peace, one count of resisting arrest by force, another count of remaining after forbidden, which is a weird one. If you remain after you're forbidden, I guess that's against the law. All right, I got four RIPs. How many you have? I have a story before the RIPs. You I do. You. Oh, I thought you want to do it after the RIPs. Okay. No, I want to do it before the RIPs. Let's go. It's a golf story. Is that okay? Sure. According to St. Louis police... A golf argument led to one man biting off another man's nose in the parking lot of a Hollywood casino on Monday night. That's right. A man's nose was bitten completely off. Quote, the investigation determined that suspect Mark Curtis Wells bit the nose off of the victim. Bay St. Louis Police Chief Toby Schwartz said in a release, WXXVTV reported that the victim was taken to a nearby hospital, but the nose wasn't found. Oh, no. Wells, 51, first fled the scene before turning himself into police. He was charged with felony mayhem (laughs) and given a $50,000 bond. I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah, really. Wells paid the required 10% and walked out of jail within an hour. After biting a man's oh. nose completely off in a fight over something that happened in a golf match. Please tell me there's not pictures of this. No pictures that I've seen. I'm just here to report the facts. Golf match, two guys oh. playing the civilized, right. very classy oh, game sure. of golf. Yeah, yeah. Ends with one man biting the nose completely off of the other man. In the parking lot, insert your punchline here. And you said they haven't found the nose? They have not found the daily schnoz. Wow. (laughs) Is there a chance he ate it? Is there a chance he (laughs) ate the guy's nose if they can't find it? No, I don't think so. That is awful. What is wrong with you golfers? I'm still waiting for the punchline. No, I I can't do that. We talked about that. I'm I'm there's no punchline. Really? Well, you've told me I can't do that anymore. You've challenged me to be better than that. Better than Florida guys or better than Schnoz guys? If there's a nose, if there's a nose joke, I got to do better than using you as the punchline. Okay. All right. It's not my style to take low hanging fruit like that. Not my style. R.I.P.'s. You could have fed a family for a week. (laughs) One bite wouldn't have done it with me. Go ahead. Oh, God. Still be going. All right. I got one here. Let's see. You did a fork and a knife. Yeah. (laughs) 
the food bank said, come Jimmy on down, Durante, buddy. Come yeah. on down. Go ahead. Yes. All right. Strobel. Let's see. Al Strobel. He's an actor famous for his work. And now you're not going to care about this, but there's a lot of people who love Twin Peaks. He was in the Twin Peaks okay. franchise. It was filmed around this area. Okay. He's best known for playing the one-armed man during pretty much every Twin Peaks installment, including the TV show in the early 90s. Okay. The spinoff movie. Now, as you know, Mitch, Gerard was the character. Gerard was a traveling shoe salesman who'd occasionally get possessed by a spirit known as Mike, who used to work with another shady character, also dead, named Bob, the entity that that inhabited Leland Palmer, who ultimately killed Laura Palmer, the central character. Oh, I That's remember That's what the you name told Laura me Palmer. yesterday, yeah. That's what I... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Al Strobel, he was the one-armed man in Twin Peaks. Rest in peace. 83 okay, years Okay, I have old. three, and I think you're going to hit all three of them, so go ahead. Keep going. I have... Who else, Steve? Bob have? McGrath. Yes, I just added him to the list today. You did. One of the friendliest people... Somebody all of us remember from our youth. Go ahead. Yeah. Tell everybody who Bob McGrath, age 90, rest in peace. Who was Bob McGrath? One of the original human stars on Sesame Street. Yes, indeed. Longtime staple on Bob. the show. Yeah, he made his first appearance on the show when the show first aired in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Featured in the pilot in 1969, playing himself and went on to work in an additional 47 seasons. <laughs> He stopped acting on Sesame Street in 2017. That's amazing. Uh-huh. He starred in countless Sesame Street productions over the years, including standalone films, sing-alongs, holiday specials, video games, and more. He was one of the longest-standing human adult cast members on the series. Age 90, and if you saw his picture, you know exactly who we're talking Without about. Without question. You probably don't know him by name, but one of the friendliest characters on oh, TV you'll ever see. the nicest guy. You gotta he? love him. You gotta love yeah. Bob McGrath. Rest in peace. It was Next one. so cool that I watched him growing up, and then I would tune in when Piper was little, and he there he is. Yeah. And now Piper's kid. <laughs> Piper's kid's going to be watching him, yes. All right, let's see. Rest in peace to Brad William Hankey. Don't have that one. He's a, he's a former NFL player. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He later got he into acting. Yeah, yeah, he was in Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Um, he's in the scene Watch where one of the show's main characters is killed off, one of the biggest scenes in the entire series. He also had roles in Justified and the TV show Lost. He was in Pacific Rim, the World okay. Trade Center. He was a pretty good actor. He started acting, and he retired from the NFL in 1994, hanging up his cleats due to ankle injuries. He played at Arizona before being drafted in 1989 by the Giants. He also played for the Broncos and got on the field in Super Bowl 24 against gotcha. the San Francisco 49ers. Check it off. Only 56, I think. Ooh. Yeah, rest in peace. Died yeah. in his sleep. Yes. Uh, Christine McVie is Yes, my I've last got her. One. Yeah. That's your last one? Yeah, I got God, you didn't get the one big sports personality who passed away last week, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Strobel, Hanky, McVie. Yeah, right, I, guess I, guess I don't. Christine McVie, the co-lead vocalist, Fleetwood Mac, yeah. seventy-nine years old, right? Keyboardist of Fleetwood Mac, married yep. to John McVie, who, yep. if you're curious, is the Mac in Fleetwood Mac. They were married from sixty-eight to seventy-six. She joined the group in nineteen seventy. Uh, she was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Fleetwood Mac in ninety-eight. She also announced in ninety-eight she was leaving the band, citing a fear of flying, panic attacks as part of the reason. If you saw, if you were someone lucky enough to see what I call the original Big Five. Wow, are you lucky? Because I never did. You know, Mick on drums, John on bass, her, Stevie, Lindsay. I mean, if you saw that, that five, man, I'm just, I'm envious and jealous. And no one will ever get to see that again. She did rejoin the band in 2014. Now, during the, I have to tell you the story, which I always thought was pretty funny, which maybe it wouldn't be to to you. But during the production of the album Rumors, which is arguably Top 10 greatest album of all time. I even know that yeah. one. Yep. She had an affair with Fleetwood Mac's lighting engineer, Curry Grant, which inspired the song, You Make Love and Fun. You know that song. I do. You make love and fun. Yeah. Now, a song that her ex-husband had to play on stage every night the rest of his goddamn <laughs> life. 
about the guy who your ex-wife who your ex-wife wrote this song about because I gotta tell you this new guy he makes love and fun you John you are a nightmare but please play, play the song, song every the night 25 years holy yeah. shit that must suck I always felt kind of bad that for is him, good that's a good story yeah. And yeah by the way don't sleep on the song Songbird it's on rumors it wasn't a big hit it was on mm-hmm. the B-side of dreams mm-hmm. put Songbird on if you're in the car you have had it's it's gorgeous and if you next stop cloud nine when you listen to those four minutes it's such a great song i listened to it on the way to your house um and i have a new appreciation for her after i did the stevie podcast because christine was already in the band and they bring in this new young blonde pretty stevie nicks and christine could have been a complete pain in the ass right and stevie says it was the opposite Mm -hmm. embraced her like a big sister Mm -hmm. she needed a shoulder to cry on christine was always there for her so that's very nice yeah i have a new love and and respect for christine mcvee so 79 and man what a legend she will and you're out of rips now and ready for headlines don't you have another sports rip i do are you out of rips and ready for headlines i thought i had a fourth yeah i guess i'm good yeah 84 year old gaylord perry passed (gasps) away how did i miss that in gaffney south carolina wow two Cy young awards 3500 strikeouts 314 wins 53 shutouts the no hitter the spitter the mariner the Mariner, <laughs> the Grandpa, Bobby Mercer, former Yankee slugger, once said, "Quote: I'd rather face a 500 mile an hour <laughs> fastball than an 85 mile an hour spitter that oh, Perry shit. had. At least then I'd have a chance." Oh my God, that's funny. That's what Bobby Mercer said. What a great Rest quote. Rest in peace, Gaylord Perry, at the age of 84. Headlines, please. A man broke a Guinness World Record when he used his open hand to smash 39 watermelons in one minute. Who says there's no benefit to being the son of Gallagher? Amber Heard appeals for a new trial in her Johnny Depp defamation case. Uh, After the pictures I saw, he should be suing her for a new defecation case. Busty Malone? You familiar with with the woman Busty Malone? who's Busty Malone? Well, she possesses a size 38J chest. Okay. She posted pictures of herself wearing a bikini with the flag of England on it as a way of supporting the team at the World Cup. Sure she did. Believe me, if anyone knows anything about support, it's Busty Malone. And finally, (laughs) a camel beauty pageant was held in Qatar. Maybe Matt went to it. Only 15 miles away from the World Cup, a camel beauty pageant. Soccer fans can look forward to the next World Cup when Miami hosts their annual camel toe beauty pageant. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was trying to sneak it in. Miami. What are the odds that they're actually hosting Uh, World Cup? I had to do it. It was uh, perfect. You're going to make me edit that one out. (laughs) It was perfect. I had to do it. Episode 217, Springfield, Illinois. Hello. (laughs) Champagne. Hello. Uh, Is in the books.